the size makes it easier to fit on a table, if that makes any sense. And it's not that it's like five mm-hmm. by seven, it dropped to four by six. I mean, I guess that is significant change, but yeah. Dennis over here being a size queen. Huh? I just like cards. <laughs> <laughs> he likes big cards and he cannot lie. No, I actually like the or smaller cards. Small cards, yeah. Small <laughs> cards. Wouldn't that make him the opposite of a size queen? I don't know. I just. Yeah. <laughs> Look. Don't listen to the jokes I say. Just ignore them and laugh. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's clever. Welcome to Preferred Enemies, the Warhammer 40k podcast that can't be kept down by disease or technical difficulties. I'm your host, Rob. Kevin. Dennis. And Richard. And yeah, we are we are back together. It has been a journey to get here. Um, originally, we were going to record uh, the weekend of LVO with Kevin at LVO and uh, kind of edit in his commentary afterwards. But in that pro, in the like our schedules did not. I think Richard, you were sick that weekend, yeah. so we're like, okay, well, we'll mm-hmm. just we'll punt and wait for everybody to be to, back together. And then Kevin got sick the week after LVO. I got sick from a business trip the week after LVO. Uh, so fine. last weekend was a no go, as like at least two of us could not get out of bed. The content that you recorded from LVO, Kevin, ended up being completely unusable. Yeah, I was like, well, it's fine. I could at least put something out about my adventures at LVO. And then I started editing the audio and it was all unusable. So that was fun. And then just <laughs> and then just now we started recording. We tried to start recording a half hour ago. And for some reason, our recording service decided what we needed was to all be st- delayed from each other by about five to ten seconds which does not help a conversation flow i'm just gonna say Eh, it's working now see this is the part of the conversation where if i was a jerk i would intentionally delay my responses for 10 seconds well and you are a jerk (laughs) but we appreciate that you're not acting on it right now (laughs) so anyway the side effect of this is Oh, stop it. <laughs> the, the side effect of all of this is that originally this was going to be a nice little simple two-parter where we were going to talk about um, the Pariah Nexus Crusade book in part one and the Dark Angels uh, Codex and uh, Deathwing Assault Box in part two because uh, Games Workshop did provide copies of those to us and we, we do appreciate that. And so we're going to probably end up punting the uh, Pariah Nexus coverage into a, into another episode, maybe. We are going to talk about the Dark Angels box in the second part of the show. But the first part of the show is going to be covered, basically covering everything uh, revealed at LVO, the events of LVO, the events of LVO specifically for Kevin, and the balanced data slate that we got uh, this week. Uh, and, uh, then we will get to, like I said, Dark Angels in part two. Uh, so, uh, cause I don't think, 
there was a lot between our last episode and LVO because there was a lot of uh, Age of Sigmar kind of gearing up for like the Flesh Eater Courts and the Dawnbringer Crusade and everything. There was Uh, just a lot of speculation because I remember seeing Mm -hmm. lots of rumors. Oh, is this what the points are going to be? Is this because people were on pins and needles about this newest balance data slate? Yes. And I think most of the guesses were wrong. Like, completely not not correct at all. <laughs> that never happens. I don't know what you're no. talking about. <laughs> Including the, this is supposedly a leaked document. No, it's not. Or if it is, it's a fake leak to try to catch somebody who might be leaking things. But let's uh, let's start with uh, the... The LVO preview night, because that was what would have kicked off LVO. And Kevin, you got to be there and witness it in person. I did. It was very interesting because um, I've done the LVO preview live before, and we and Dennis and I did the L- the LVO the grand narrative <laughs> preview in Atlanta um, because of the mechanics of this being in Las Vegas, which is an extra three hours uh, west of London. Uh, the the Preview guys that you know, Eddie and uh, I forget who else was with him, uh, weren't able to b- attend the LVO to do the preview. So we had a pre recorded version that they did just for us at LVO, which is very interesting because the whole thing lasted about 15 minutes. Like it was like all of the, um, you know, it was them talking and then they would introduce something and then they would show like the 30 second preview and then that's it. They'd move on to the next one. So there was none of the follow-up conversation, none of the additional shots, things like that. So I actually ended up watching the live stream later that night as well. So I could get all of the information, uh, which is just kind of odd. Um, There was a lot of cool stuff revealed and, and we'll get into that. And then at the end, and they only did this for the people at LVO, they recorded a separate, like, minute-long video with Eddie talking about the changes upcoming to the ITC and GW taking that over. I was surprised because that wasn't on the live stream at all. And, yeah, I was, you know, and then, yeah, they just did a post on, on Warhammer Community the next day. Um, so I thought that was kind of surprisingly handled. Yeah, that that surprised me that it did not get mentioned in the stream at all. And the reason I was surprised because I knew it was coming. Uh, we actually got a yep. chance to sit down. Uh, I, I was part of a, a live stream event with, uh, with Mike Brandt and, and a bunch of other people were there. It wasn't like just me one-on-one. You know, so don't get that impression, <laughs> but I, we got uh, the, the content creators basically got a chance to, hear what was coming up a few days before it was advanced. And actually there's more that was discussed, but those are plans down the line that we like, I can't even acknowledge the kinds of things I heard. So I can't, I'm not going to get into that, but you know, the one thing we could definitely talk about, which was revealed was the ITC, uh, the, the ITC change in ownership, uh, basically frontline gaming is giving it up and, uh, and apparently it's a mutual thing. Like IT, the front lines, like we, we would like to hand it off. Uh, games workshop is like, especially with Mike Brandt as like global events head is like, yeah, I'm, I, we absolutely can take it on. And it sounded like th- what you said was that the response at the hall was definitely mixed. <laughs> Yeah, it it was very odd because the 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 nice thing about being at these uh live reveals and these live stream events is you get to hear the other people respond. You get, you know, the pause for effect. They announce new crew hounds and everyone loses their mind. They announce a thing for, you know, 
flesh eater quartz or a, a thing for for uh gallo dark and they're or whatever they're calling the the new season of uh the age of sigmar skirmish game i'm just blanking on the names now Underworlds. Um, <laughs> i Underworlds. I had all of this like organized and thought, and then like two weeks went by, so I don't remember all the details. <laughs> um, but like, even like something like that, they're like, okay, that's cool. Like, yeah, those models are neat. And then they got to the, the ITC announcement, and everyone was like, what? <laughs> so I don't know. It was decidedly mixed. Um, it was neat that like Mike was there, um, you know, and did do some, you know, conversations afterwards, met with people, answered questions, things like that. So I think they were definitely, you know, they've definitely shown concern. Like they definitely are like aware of play the player concerns. And I think they, they definitely want to handle this the right way. Uh, so I'm excited for it, but yeah, it was, it was a decidedly mixed reaction for an event that usually just like, no matter what they show, there's always like a huge pop and people are excited for Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even online, like the initial response that I was seeing on like the Warhammer comp- competitive uh, community on Reddit was like, "Um, what does this mean? Does this mean like everything's considered an official GW tournament, and we can't use like you know custom builds or three D printed models, or we can't use like we we've got to do things a certain way?" And it's, I the one thing I can definitely say that was basically drilled into us <laughs> during the live stream that was reiterated several times was that their philosophy gw's philosophy with the itc is especially for the first year is do no harm they're like they are basically just taking over the operation of tracking points they are not enforcing any more rules on events than the itc already enforced that's it like it's a very hands off. Uh, we're here to track points, um, and there will be more probably in that. But like one thing they says, like basically we're going to run things as normal. The season is still going to be for right now is still LVO to LVO, like ends at LVO each year and then starts immediately afterwards. Um, and that is that is going to be its own thing. Will they change that eventually? Maybe because after running events for you know after running the the ITC circuit tracking for um, several months, they said they're going to talk with members of the community and kind of see like okay, so you know we've got this in house, we've got it up and running. What do we need to improve? What needs to change? And then they're going to work with the community. They're acknowledging the work that the community has done in getting Mm -hmm. this going and try to address the community's needs and the player base needs. And I think that is one of the good things about having Mike Brandt take it over, which is somebody who came from a tournament running background. You know, somebody who who has come from an environment where they are running tournaments for people and coordinating with other tournament organizers and such. And so he's coming at this from the viewpoint of, okay, so I've worked with this community. What this is the community that knows what they need because they set this all up. So what can we do for them to make this better? So I really do appreciate that. Um, he even mentioned, you know, some of the question came up about, well, what about the world championships? You know, what about the, the U S opens and the world championships? How does that tie into the ITC? And he said, they are two different things. The ITC is effectively a league or a circuit, whereas the world championships are like a series of spotlighted playoff events but they're not mm-hmm. related directly. Like one, one doesn't make you champion for the other necessarily. 
So um, I think that's about as far as I can get into it. But as of right now, I would expect little to nothing to change other than it won't be on Frontline's website. Right now, I think all the points tracking is being done through BCP. Uh, GW is officially partnering with BCP to kind of handle the points for right now. Um, and I think that's about it. Everything else is more or less the same. I know the concerns I had, yeah, were, were just mostly GW's had a bad rap before. How will they handle it? Mm-hmm. And it sounds like they've got a good take on it, and... I'm thrilled mm. they're going to partner with BCP, to be honest, because that's yeah. kind of become the standard that everybody's using. So I'm I'm glad that that's they've acknowledged that and they're going to lean into it. Although they wouldn't be able to like, and one thing is because BCP is used by a bunch of other events. Not you know, it started off for 40k, but they've expanded into supporting events for so many other systems. This isn't something where GW can just necessarily sweep in and buy up BCP. Right. Because, you know, it's it's something of use to all their competitors. Plus, there'd be all the ticket purchasing and handling, which I imagine GW definitely may not want to get into, you know. But uh, so that there's that that was that was that. But let's let that was the thing that was barely covered during the LVO previews. Uh, Let's talk about the things that were actually covered in the LVO previews that everyone got to watch, whether they were in person or streaming it afterwards. Um, first off that kill team box, Night Lords versus Mandrakes. Now we'd seen the Night Lords before. We're getting to see them in a better view now. And my God, they are glorious looking. I mean, I was excited for the Mandrakes. Like I don't play Dark Eldar. I don't really care too much about them, but like those models look cool. Like they do. They look really good. It's (laughs) that was like one that and I think Grotesques and some of the Archons Court are like the last things that are still in fine cast. So it's nice to see the plastic Mandrakes. And Kill Team's a good place for them. They're, they've never been a really... They've always been in a very weird place in 40k tabletop. But for Kill Team, they are perfect. Right. No, I'll agree yeah. with that because the Mandrakes being like the stealth, I'm going to come out of the shadows and kill you. In 40k, oh yeah, they they can sit on the table and maybe get to a character and whatnot, but definitely in Kill Team, they they should be able to shine. I just like that they're using Kill Team to spotlight these smaller units, smaller factions, give us updated models, you know, upgrade sprues for Night Lords. Like, it's not a full Night Lords army, but now there's this, now they found a release slot for something like that, where... You know, it opens up possibilities to be able to add other, like, factions and upgrades and, you know, refresh units. So, I think it's very cool. And yet, you know that when this box for Night Lords becomes available separately, there will be people that buy up, like, kind of like they have done with Krieg. Like, they'll buy up a, several of these boxes for sure. to make a Night Lords army. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Because it's sure. just like the standard Legionary box with an upgrade sprue. Oh, no, I, I hope they do more of those upgrades because you're seeing it. You know, we'll get into the Dark Angel stuff, but you know they've they've done a good job of creating like the base units and then these upgrade kits for Black Templars, for uh, Dark Angels, Night Lords. It, it creates some really cool opportunities to be able to put that out there and and be able to make these factions unique. Um, you know, and be able to support some of these smaller factions that have a unique aesthetic but don't necessarily play different 
Also, I'm just impressed that they've done all this with just the standard Legionary kit, which gives me hope that, yeah, they could do upgrade sprues for all of the various Legions and end up with Marines that have very distinctive feels. My only concern is we've seen upgrade sprues before, and then if you want to really get into a faction, you have to buy the base and then an upgrade screw. Or I guess it's nice because that upgrade screw will be for all the different boxes as opposed to them printing out like, here's the Dark Angels Intercessors, here's the Dark Angels Heavy Intercessors, here's the... And so that would get really expensive on their side, but it does mean that if you are really into a faction, if they sold these like Night Lord upgrade sprues on a on its own it might cost you more to get the full army yeah possibly and of course i don't know how universal these are like will they work for like havocs raptors etc i mean i would hope they would work for raptors because i mean that's kind of a theme that they have well, but if it's uh, similar to the dark angels it, it should because i'll get to the dark angels yeah. one when we get to the second half i think my my concern is is i know that Upgrade sprues have a, a tendency to sell out and then kind of go away. They don't always stick around for as long as you might think. I will agree with that, especially the initial push, but I'll also disagree with that. But it might just be location-based. And if I don't see an upgrade sprue that I want, I can find it at the Citadel. So that's why I might say it might be location based. I uh, it's it's also faction based because like you can still get like the various Space Marine make the you know Primaris Marines into this particular you know founding chapter or not. But uh, like I imagine Gene Stealer cults is probably the one where you're coming from, Richard. Um, actually, I'm thinking of the Defrola. Upgrade sprue. Mm. Yeah. I don't even remember uh, that to, one. <laughs> to upgrade the battle wagon to have one. Right. Which I don't even like. It was available for a, a good long while. And like that's still an option basically for the model. But I don't think that upgrade sprue is available anymore. Interesting. Well, an example I'm thinking of was the uh, Farside Enclaves upgrade sprue because there was at one point upgrades for you know all of the different um far side emblems and things like that that's just it's not out there anymore it's just not available and, and this ties into the the wonderfully functional games workshop website for us to be <laughs> able to be able to find things on the store i will hear no slander for that wonderful website <laughs> Um, okay. <laughs> the, the only thing I'll say is I think you, you really were have... sick a couple of weeks ago. You still haven't recovered. <laughs> but I, because I, in the Citadel, they have a whole like section of just upgrade sprues, and that's where all the Space Marine ones are. But I do not see any Farsight, any. If it's not a Space Marine oh, upgrade sprue, it's not there. Yeah. So I'm thinking those might just yeah. be gone, gone. I think they're, they're mm-hmm. gone, especially because that was a, uh, that was a fine cast upgrade sprue. Oh, and those it, are pretty much all gone at this point. Yeah. So, again, like in the past, they've absolutely had poor support for these upgrade sprues. My hope is plastic. These are more common. They're more directly useful in Kill Team. That they will remain in print longer 
um, or in perpetuity so that we have those options. Right. So, it, I mean, we'll see. yes, that, that is, that is my hope, but like I'm raising it as a concern because. Sure. Well, and it's like with, uh, let's see if I go to, um, chaos, like just generic chaos space Marines, like there's an upgrade sprue that turns a unit of regular chaos space Marines into the legionaries, which adds some like different heads and adds like a cup, like a couple of different character options because it is specifically for the kill team box. Uh, the kill team legionaries is 70 bucks. The regular chaos space Marines are 65. You cannot buy the legionary sprue separately for the kill team mm-hmm. yet. Hopefully they'll, separated uh i mean it's been <laughs> over a year it's been like two oh, then, years since that box yeah because never so mind far so far those upgrade sprues for kill team have remained exclusively in those kill team boxes because there's an upgrade screw for votan there's an upgrade sprue for pathfinders um, i guess and i remember the dark eldar just, one was that way and it just gave yep. you op for it gave you options for the models that were not in this game like there's no dark eldar that can have a bird I mean, <laughs> so, I mean, the only thing I, preventing a dark Eldar from having a bird is you. You know, you can. Well, that's fair. There's no rules for the bird to do anything except yeah. look cool. Yeah. And to put it in perspective, box of Pathfinders forty five bucks. Box of Pathfinders for Kill Team sixty dollars. Okay. Same models, just with one additional sprue to add. And some, the like, sprue is normally about ten fifteen bucks. Options. So yeah, okay. It makes so I mean, sense. it's. It makes sense, but it would be it would be nice to be able to buy that that sprue separately. But like I said, there's going to be Night Lords players that are going to s- snap up those boxes as soon as they become available on their own. Just just like there are going to be plenty of Eldar players that are going to snap up uh, the Striking Scorpion boxes once those become separate from uh, the Salvation box set, which we also got sent. Have you had a chance to put yours together yet? Um, I have, and they go together really well. Um, the, just like the Banshees and the Dire Avenger up, or not upgrades, but I mean, reimagines, they look like striking scorpions. So, I mean, they kept, I mean, the aesthetic was good, so they just kept it. So there's, I, I don't really know what to say other than they did a good job of keeping the old and making it new. No, that's fair. That's fair. Um, I did put together the scouts from that box. I hated the process of putting the scouts together uh, because huh? of their legs. Each leg is a separate piece. That's a normal thing. I've got so many models that have each leg is a separate or maybe two pieces. Well, like each leg is separate, but the way they join into the like the torso and the hips... Um, they, like, if you are using cement, like I was, instead of super glue, cement doesn't set immediately, and so those oh, legs start okay. shifting a little bit, and you end yeah. up with weird, weird lines I, I, that you have to kind of, like, reposition back into place. I see where you're coming from there. Yeah, I did not have, I have got some models like that, I did not have the issues, but I'm using the super glue that dries pretty darn quick. Yeah. 
yeah, if I'd used something like that, it would have been faster. Also, I don't know how it happened, but somehow either the piece was slightly malformed or I clipped it somewhat weirdly. I'm not exactly sure how, but like the first scout I put together, one of his ass cheeks was missing. He just had like what? Yeah, like like his ass was was there was a big divot where his ass should have been on one leg. And it so, wasn't on the screw. <laughs> <laughs> so what I had to do was chop off a little piece of sprue kind of that was roughly the right size and then cement that thing into place and then put enough cement over it to soften it, you know, kind of like sp- make instant sprue goo out of it and then eventually like shave it and shape it back into place so you couldn't really tell. It sounds like modeling I gotta admit, skills. Good job. <laughs> I gotta admit, having a conversation about uh, ass plastic surgery on models like is not a thing I had on my bingo card today. We'll make <laughs> well, a new bingo card. <laughs> like I just, of all the things I thought we were going to talk about, that wasn't that wasn't on the list. <laughs> nope. But, uh, but yeah, other than that, they they went together fine. I'm still. The fact that now scouts can only have one sniper rifle per five guys, it's like everybody is starting to feel the curse of it's if it's not in the box, you can't take it on a unit. I well, move, move I also kind of understand. Yeah, I kind of understand because there is a sniper unit now. So, like, I get them taking that function away. Yeah, hmm. but that sniper unit's kind of weird because I just bought a box of it to get prepped for my little crusade league, and you only get three because it's a squad of three. And mm-hmm. if you right. do want want to do the movement shenanigans with them, only two of them have good sniper rifles. The other one's got a not as good one, and so you're really only having two shots with your sniper squad. It's kind of weird. Well. I'm thinking more about the people who built multiple squads of Sniper Scout Marines who now have multiple squads of illegal Sniper Scout Marines. I mean, they might be the same people that have Chaos Terminators with claws. Had to bring that one up. <laughs> had, had to just wound me, wound me directly, well, sir. It's it's also very frustrating because the only the only squad of scouts I have is sniper scouts. So yes, well, yes, it that's is all you took them people. for in the past. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. So yes, it is the same people. Yes. <laughs> Don't worry. When we get to part two, you get yours too. <laughs> hey, those models are amazing, and I'll stand by that. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of amazing models, let's move into the other big 40k reveal at LVO, the Crut hunting pack box and all the Crut list, you know, Crut shown inside. Oh I my mean, god, the Crut look great. Is this a hint of a Crut detachment when the Tau Codex comes? They've they've straight up said there's going to be a Crut okay. focused detachment. Well, <laughs> that'll be interesting and weird because I know Crut have been. I'll say air quotes beloved by many, but haven't really seen much use since what fifth or sixth. Yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah, Crute, So one of the things that got me into Tau when I first started the game in fourth edition was the fact that Tau had like cool mecha, you know, design, but also like the tentpole like empire they had of like we have at the time human auxiliaries. Crute, Vespids, 
you know, the, there was the the space dwarfs floating around in uh, Battlefleet Gothic at the time. Like they had this like tentpole empire of like weird esoteric aliens. You know, there was talk of the Hrud and some of these other things, and they just never developed it. And that always felt like a huge miss in being able to create an imp, you know, a, a, a unique alien empire that allows you to throw out those one-off ideas of crude or vespids or other alien race to do a thing and like, hey, here's a here's a cool alien auxiliary that we can throw out there and just do a thing. And they just never developed it. And I'm so that was always one of the biggest disappointments with the Tau. Um so my hope is that, you know, with them fleshing crude out at least, now you da- now you have another aspect of that army to be able to kind of build out and play and and it's not just the same you know static gunline army or whatever the tau has been for a while right um and so we get two varieties of shapers we get the war shaper which is like a a battlefield commander and then the flesh shaper which is the traditional shaper which is the eat this not that leader of the army um, 20 crute carnivores, including one that has a baby crute hound on its base where the spines haven't grown in all the way, which is just fantastic. Um, we get a, the crutox gunner, a new version of, of the crutox finally in not crappy material. And then uh, a pack of Crutox Rampagers, which are close combat Crutox, which also look phenomenal. Very, very dynamically posed. And they said this was about half of the new Crut. Like, they are they are redoing the line, expanding it wildly, and this was only half. Like, one thing that was not revealed, that character we talked about last episode, which is a Crut riding a giant lizard, didn't get previewed at all. We have no idea who he is yet. We'll just call him Bob. He is Bob. Bob the Crute. He is Crute. I am Crute. <laughs> Gosh. I am Crute. <laughs> no, I'm excited for this. Like, this is, you know, we, we, we talked about, like, what our, um, what our ideas or, you know, wish listing for Tau was. And I think all of us were like, yeah, we want to see Crute expanded because the Tau line itself it's all plastic. It's all really good. So mm-hmm. now that, you know, the focus can be on things like Crute and hopefully this is pure rumor speculation, hopefully Vespids as well. And maybe other stuff like, um, you know, getting those models out of fine cast metal into plastic, updating the, you know, updating the models just because they're, you know, the Crute models were from, what, 2002, 2001? Like, oh, the yeah. launch of the army? That's just a like, couple they were plastic, years ago. But they were, <laughs> sure. <laughs> but they were, you know, they were plastic, but they were, you know, 2001 plastic. Um, which, we'll get into it a little bit later. I've been going back through some, like, mid-2000s plastic models, and uh, the, the technology's come a long way. It <laughs> has. <laughs> for... for- <laughs> Yeah, so that was yeah. I'm super excited for the crew. And yes, Dennis, they do specify there's a dedicated detachment in the new Codex Tau Empire. The crew hunting pack allows you to deploy an all crew force. 
So you won't have to have even a single guy in in, uh, power armor Armor. or like a crisis suit armor or wielding a a pulse rifle. You can go all crude all the time. I won't, but I'm happy for those that will. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, next up uh, would technically be, I mean, because there were some other LVO previews for uh, Age of Sigmar, which also got some kind of mixed reception because there wasn't anything huge. Like, there's the new, uh, like, Daughters of Cain character, which, I mean, she looks great, uh, Krithusa the Crone. I mean, she look, looks fine. Uh, and then the uh, Callus and Toll and, uh, like, the hero, the saviors of Cinderfall. I mean, the models look really good. I They all look great, but uh, also not like a huge army thing that was revealed. So it was kind of LVO was a other than the crew, I think was very understated as far as the, what they were revealing. And I don't know if that means they're holding off for bigger stuff for Adepticon or what? Well, I think, I think the other thing they announced at LVO was their other big announcement. And like, if you look at it in some total, they announced, Basically, two full new plastic armies uh, between the Crute and then the Solar Solar Auxilla Auxilla. Eh. True, Auxilla, they did have the whatever the hell yeah. they're called. However, you pronounce that word. Um, so, like, that's a huge line of plastics, and like for people that play the Horus Heresy or people that want to have more guard options in 40k, like that's really cool, and it's a huge deal. But it's it's limited niche appeal because. As as much as we love them, a lot of people do not like Crew and do not like Tau, and a lot of people don't play the forty, you know, the thirty k. So there wasn't as much meat on the bone for I think the standard forty uh, k or Age of Sigmar player. There was nothing for the old world. There was nothing for um, like Necromunda. Like I understand why some people are a little bit upset because it was it did feel very limited compared to some of the other releases uh, or some of the other previews, but like two of them were huge previews that are huge waves of models that have very niche appeal. And I'll also say for all the upcoming codexes, I mean, we don't know this for sure, but my thoughts and theories are we'll get one, maybe two new models for them. And so, I mean, there's really not much to show Mm -hmm. and they can save that for, their preview right before the codex drops. Yeah. Like I was surprised they didn't announce anything for orcs or for or custodes. custodes. Yeah. You know, cause those are, we know, you know, in theory, those are the next two codexes coming. We didn't get anything. So I mean, I was kind of, ex- I was kind of expecting a custodes model, but to be mm-hmm. fair, I mean, this is going to sound boring. A lot of the custodes models all look the same. <laughs> they do. Um, sure. Sure. But it makes me or- it makes me wonder that if the custodes release is going to be very limited, like it may only be the one character. I think, uh, it will and be. that's why they didn't show it. Yeah, yeah. And orcs, you would expect a big new line, and they just had one. What last year or has it been two years? I think but the whole beast snag a box, three years. Wow. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, it's still recent in my memory of the beast snag as all no. being a big box. Yeah, that doesn't sound right. That that can't be right. I refuse to I refuse to acknowledge that. 
No, couldn't have been three years. It was last week. <laughs> and there's one other thing I want to cover before we jump into your LVO experience, Kevin, and that is the result of the LVO final for the you know the the Warhammer 40k champs, yeah. uh, which was a 908 player 10 round event because they did have to have a shadow round to cut to a oh final eight. I can't imagine yeah. 900 plus people. That's just crazy. It's awesome. That's it's crazy. 900, in a good way. Plus, <laughs> 900 plus people just at those tables. There was, uh, there were all, there was also in that same room, the narrative, the friendly and the AOS event. It was insane. Uh, but uh, the final came down to Eldari versus Necrons. It was uh, Matt Laura's Necrons running the Hypercrypt Legion, a.k.a. Grey Knights gro- as robots. And Folger Pile's playing uh, the uh, basically the Eldari list right now, which is Away Leaper, Fuegan. Well, Fuegan I don't think is in every list, but he's... Uh, but like. Wayleaper, the Incarn, some Night Spinners, Rangers, Swooping Hawks, Warp Spiders, and Wraithguard. Uh, versus a list that had a couple of Satan Shards, a couple of Chronomancers, Immotech, uh, three uh, Bricks of Ten Immortals, some Scarabs, some Death Marks, some Destroyers, and a Monolith. And the final game had probably the ballsiest play since the uh, that epic photo of a guy lining up his entire line of crew to block a White Scar's army from getting onto the board. And that is deep striking a monolith into the Eldar player's backfield turn one. And then surviving the oncoming... Uh, firepower and attack from the Incarn with a pair of boxcar saves. And basically throwing off the Eldar player's game plan entirely. And uh, ended up winning the game, uh, let's see, the final game, 80-56. to 56. With just the, the most ridiculous Hail Mary... If this works, it's going to be amazing. And if it doesn't, well, I gave it a good shot uh, play. And uh, yeah, that was phenomenal. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see how it plays out. Oh, shit, that I'm, worked. <laughs> I, I mean, I remember when we went over the Necron Codex, I was like hypercrypts. That's my strategy all the way. And so I'm kind of floored and thrilled to see it out there working. So. <laughs> yeah, so- and little bit of spoilers, I think, for the balanced data slate conversation. I think you're going to see more of it because Necrons are new enough they didn't get hit at all in this balanced data slate. And I really think there's a possibility they they will sh- shoot directly to the top and be the army to beat for the next until the next release, you know, the next uh, data slate. I I don't think you're wrong. I think they've they are positioned in a very good place. And like you said, they got um, pretty much nothing changed. They got no touch at all because yeah, they're brand new. Same thing with Mechanicus, yeah. although I don't think anyone's worried about them tearing up the charts right now. Yeah, same same issue with Mechanicus, just for the other reasons. The opposite, <laughs> yeah, the opposite reason. <laughs> but yeah, congrats to to Matt Laura for uh, pulling off that win with just an amazing play and. Uh, yeah, that's just 
and apparently everything at the event, like there was no drama, everything ran really smoothly from what I understand, yeah. as opposed to like the great BCP collapse of 2020, where everything got delayed like what by like two hours because BCP just yeah. was not up to running an event. And that was when there were only like 600, 700 people playing. Yeah, that was crazy. So yeah, they yeah definitely no, no issues like that this year. Yeah. So so uh, yeah, you tried to record a version of your LVO experience, and uh, it did not take. Uh, so so Kevin, you want to kind of run us through how your LVO at the narrative went? Yeah, it was fine. Yeah. All right. Cool. No, I, yeah. I will move on. I have more than that. <laughs> so, yeah. No, I have more than that. Um, yeah. So I played in the. So we played in the the Nexus of Fate uh, narrative 40k event that was ran by Commissar Darren, uh, who him and his staff did a great job running the event, um, setting up the tables, like keeping everybody on track. It was it was really good. Um, they divided us up into four packs: um, Annihilation, or not Annihilation. Sorry. Uh, Despoilers, Defenders, Stalwarts, and I think Raiders or something like that. Like there was, you know, four rough, uh, you know, factions. And the interesting hook for this narrative event was that it's, it was basically all team games. So every day we played a thousand points. You had a thousand points of your own army and you were paired up with an, with, uh, someone from your pact against two opponents from the, uh, another pact. Um, and it was very interesting because you could switch partners between events. You didn't have, you weren't locked into like, this is your partner for the next three days. You could switch. Um, so I did, like, I kind of bounced around and played with a bunch of different armies, um, which was kind of neat because I'm like, I bring your world leaders. Do you need melee? Okay. I will join your, you know, your battle and be your, your screen for this army, um, or for this game. Uh, so that was very fun. The other thing that was neat is there were four different, uh, planets, you know, battle zones that we were fighting over. And each planet had kind of like set, uh, missions on there. So planet one had three different missions, uh, attacker, defender, planet, you know, planet two, three different missions, attacker, defender, et cetera. And when you started the battle round, you went and you put your name on a planet as either the attacker or the defender, and you selected your missions. So you just kind of put it up there, and then someone else would go and put their name on the board, and then that was your matchup. Um, so it was kind of interesting because you had a little bit of agency about where you were going, whether you were the attacker or the defender. All of the missions were put in the player pack ahead of time, so there was a little bit of like strategy uh, for how you you were able to, to do things. Um, after each round, they would total up who, you know, how the, the mission outcomes went and then who had control of that planet. And if you had control of a planet, everybody in your pact, uh, got a bonus for the next, you know, a, a, a bonus for the next round. So like there was one where it was like the bonus was you can put a unit into deep strike that normally can't deep strike, which I used to deep strike my Lord of Skulls against the Thunderhawk, which was fun. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so it was, it was very neat. Like, and you then had to like, okay, to maintain this benefit, you have to throw resources to defend this planet. So we, you know, the despoilers were like, well, we took two planets, uh, round one, and we're like, 
well, now we have to like strategically think about how to defend these planets and like throw enough resources to defend these planets, but also continue our objective of trying to take other planets. So it's very neat, uh, very, very cool, uh, kind of setup for the events. Um, the games that I was able to play, um, you know, at World Eater. So I was, it was one of those things where I would just kind of would set back and be like, where do we need melee? You know, who do, who do I want to pair up with for melee? So the first game I played, I was with a Necron player, um, against, uh, Alpha Legion and, oh, sorry. No, no, it wasn't Necrons. It was, uh, I was with an Orc player against Alpha Legion and Necrons. Um, and then the next game I was with a Grot, uh, uh, Grot Revolution Army, in which I actually got to play with uh, Damon uh, Damian twice uh, in the in the games uh, with his like I think he had eighteen Grot tanks in his list, and then he also had uh, Dered Gabo and uh, the Christmas Gits and a whole bunch of other uh, just wild stuff. Uh, he actually had a uh, Mazrog, but he had a uh, the Chromelech. Um, like Mecha one. So he had Mecha, Mecha, uh, Mazrog. And in our third game, we ended up playing against somebody who had like shark Mazrog. So we kind of cleared a path and had them fight in the middle of the battle. Um, which was, which was cool. Second game played, uh, Salamanders and Admech. Uh, and that was when I was playing with the Grot Revolution Army, uh, Bradley and Jeremy. Uh, we won that game as well. I actually won most of the games. I think I went three and two overall, um, but had a lot of fun with all of them. Uh, the first game I was, it was uh, paired with Matthew against Alex and James in match four. Um, I paired up with uh, actually, we paired up against Alex and James again uh, with James, another world leaders player. So it was two world leaders players against the alpha Legion Necrons. And it kind of worked out because the way the second game uh, played the, the first game, I kind of got paired up against the alpha Legion, like just he deployed on my side. So I was fighting mostly the alpha Legion. And then the second game, I basically fought just the Necrons. So it was kind of interesting uh, how that worked out. Um, and double world eaters like just ran through. And I don't think they ever were able to get out of their deployment zone because we, we went first and just pushed, you know, pushed really hard. Um and then uh, match four, we played against custodes and orcs, uh, custodes and the 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 like pirate theme orc orc army uh, with Damon uh, Damien's uh, Grot Re- uh, Rebellion Army Revolution Army. Uh, that game we did lose, but it was a lot of fun. And like I so said, we had the the big Mecha Mecha Mazrog versus Shark Mazrog uh, fight in the middle. And then on um, the final day. It was one big match, uh, and you would basically do it was either four v four or two v two, basically four thousand points aside. Uh, we decided going in that we wanted uh, there were four world leaders players on our on our group, uh, so we decided that we were all going to team together and do the the four v four game. Uh, unfortunately, one of them had to leave early, so I ended up taking about 1,500 points, James took about 1,500 points, and then Abel brought 1,000 points, so we still got to our 4,000. Um, and then we played against um, Asher and Paul, uh, who had uh, Imperial Guard. Sorry, I was trying to think of what the name of the army was. <laughs> uh, Imperial Guard with like a Bane Blade, and uh, Paul was playing Space Wolves with the Thunderhawk. Uh, which was the reason why we wanted to play him. It's like, well, you got you have a Thunderhawk. We want to fight this. 
the game ended up being a lot of fun. It was bloody as heck. Um, it was very interesting because with, uh, you know, 4,000 points, we were playing on a bigger table. Uh, it was a custom mission, which was really cool. So we were kind of defending the objectives, which was very weird for three world leaders players. Um, but it was a fun game. We ended up, we did end up losing because we weren't able to, uh, take out the Thunderhawk and the Bane Blades. However, uh, we'll get into the kind of some of the nerfs that world leaders got in the balance data slate. I was running my master of executions with the berserker glaive. James was running his master of execution with the berserker glaive. We dual charged the Thunderhawk and nearly killed it in one round of combat because of the amount of devastating wounds and shenanigans that you're able to do with a hundred point model. So I'm like, yeah, that combo seems maybe overpowered and should get nerfed. Uh, and it did, it didn't get, it got nerfed slightly. So it's still really good, but, um, yeah, fun games all around. We got to fight some really cool armies. Um, the alpha Legion and, uh, Necron armies were both painted with like a, uh, really cool kind of purple and green, um, color scheme that worked very well. And, you know, uh, the Grot Rebellion Army that I got to play with, like, was really cool. One of that was one of the other things we did is on that final game, all four of our Grot players teamed up and fought against, like, Space Marines. Um, so it was very cool. It was just a fun event. I got to see a lot of cool models, got to see a lot of cool, uh, army designs. Um, and then the other thing that was very exciting for me was, we were kind of at the end of the event hall, like in the, you know, when you first walked in, we were kind of, if you're walking towards the, the, the top tables for the 40 K event, you had to walk past us and we were kind of in the center. So we were right near the um, main entrance in the main walkway. And I had so many people come up and like, look at the, the Tau army that I had, the, the Tau world leaders and take pictures and ask questions and, you know, compliment me on the design and the army ideas. And like, that was really cool to like see people would like walk by, they'd stop, they'd talk, they'd send their friends over, they'd get pictures. It was very, very cool. It was, it was very kind of gratifying because when I took it to the, um, the grand narrative, just the, the structure of the event and like the way you're kind of spread out, you don't necessarily like get to like walk past everybody's army and kind of see them on display and see them, you know, as they're getting set up. So it was kind of nice to have kind of be in that little choke point where a lot of people got to see their army. And, um, you know, I got to talk about the podcast. I got to talk about Instagram and, and things like that. So, you know, I picked up probably like a hundred people on my Instagram account, um, <laughs> you know, to look at pictures of the model this week. Um, so that was cool. Uh, and then, uh, you know, models got shared on some other blogs. Um, there was a, I think it was Meta Watch Monday, shared a picture of uh, my Farsight in their in their LVO coverage article. Um, yeah. And then uh, at the end of the event, uh, there was three awards given out. There was one for uh, Best General, uh, which was given to a player on our team who kind of, uh, who wasn't the leader of our faction, but he was kind of the one that was like figuring out the strategy of like, hey, we need to defend this so we can keep this bonus. We need to go here so we can push the Raiders off of this objective and get rid of their bonus. Um, so that was cool. Uh, and then there was a, there was best hobbyist. And then there was the other one, I believe was just best overall, like best, uh, you know, combination of the two. Um, and I, I forget who won that one, uh, but there were a lot of really cool, like, 
well-painted armies that that also like performed well and like did you know everybody was great to play against great to play with uh but i did win the best hobbyist as voted on by the players uh for my army and my conversions so um i have a plaque that says i won a thing at lvo so i'm congratulations (laughs) and i would like to say i think it's very well well deserved um i know it's like on your instagram you describe yourself as a as mediocre painter and i'm like well now you have to say that you're an award-winning mediocre painter exactly Uh, yeah (laughs) so uh yeah it was a lot of fun i was able to get a couple more models done for the uh for the army i got a mauler fiend and a dreadnought uh and uh oh and i converted the the Remora drones that I picked up at the Grand Narrative into Lords on Juggernaut. Um, and I think that also helped. I think it, it, it sold the theme a little bit more having those. Um, I was talking to other people and I have ideas for uh, the new Tau Ethereal model, converting him into a Master of Executions. And uh, I was kind of trying to avoid this because I didn't like want to use like named characters but I heard a really good idea for an Angron conversion. So now I'm thinking about how I'm going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll, I'll just say for those of our listeners, if you have two factions you really like, but can't decide which one you want to play, just combine them like Kevin has. Smash them together. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Take your action figures and smash them together until you have like, I mean, it's the orky way, right? You know, just exactly. Like- yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but no, the event was a blast. I, I will absolutely be doing it again next year. Um, the 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 one I wasn't a hundred percent sure how the team event aspect of it was going to work. It wound up being so much fun because you're able to kind of take a little smaller force and kind of like focus on something there, and then just you know, yeah. So you get to interact with a lot more people. It, it was a lot of fun, and I hope that uh, if if any of you guys come, you know, to LVO next year. Um, yeah, I think it'd be fun to, to try to team up and do, do like team events or stuff like that. And how did, do you feel that for a limited, like, you know, one weekend event, this worked better than trying to do crusade rules over a weekend? Yeah, we didn't try to do any, anything with the crusade rules. It was basically just like, honest, honestly, like from the finger quotes narrative version of of the aspects really the narrative was this is your pool of teammates you're all trying to accomplish the same thing if you take a planet you get these bonuses um there really wasn't like much beyond that but like even darren mentions like we're still building this out you know there were four different uh worlds that you could play on if you played on all four of them like he's like yeah for this event it's like hey you played on all four cool Going forward, he's like, yeah, if you travel and play on all four worlds, there might be other bonuses for the final game um, and other other ways to kind of build that narrative up. So um, I thought it was very interesting. Um, you know, it's different, much less bookkeeping than Crusade, uh, which I did appreciate. Um, but, you know, basically telling everybody to bring 2000 points and then you get to play with a thousand of it at a time Uh Gave a lot of that same flexibility that you get in those crusade events where you can kind of tweak your list between matches. You can kind of do things, but you didn't have to worry about tracking XP and tracking bonuses and all that stuff. Yeah, uh, that's, you know, all the 
the extra paperwork that you have to do for Crusade can be a little unwieldy. Also, I find that depending on how somebody's Crusade games go, like, yes, there's the whole, um, like, Crusade point kind of power level separation so you can tell, like, okay, well, this person's been playing Crusade a lot longer, so their opponent's going to get some other bonuses in-game to kind of make up for it. But you don't get that huge a difference over a weekend Crusade event, but you can still end up with units that just end up, you know, they're just ridiculously overpowered because of just like if somebody just piles on all the uh, the battle honors and upgrades. Yeah, it's really easy to do that. And also like at a, a one weekend event where there's, you know, grand narrative, how, you know, 300, 400 people in the event, nobody's checking every crusade thing like you could just like oh yeah i guess i just i forgot to mark down my battle scar or something like that or you know yeah i'm gonna add to you know extra xp like it there's no real like control on it other than your honor honesty. system um, yeah. yeah and like i don't know my hope is that people aren't trying to cheat at events like that because it's meant to just be fun and narrative but you right. do wind up with like weird overpowered things and like I'll admit towards the end of the, the grand narrative, um, my, you know, the army, the, the units that I'd use, like both of my, uh, eight bound and exalted eight bound units could scout, had feel no pain, had a better invuln, had extra movement. And it's like, yeah, I could see this getting out of hand very easily. <laughs> well, sort of like on, and it was, I didn't notice that in the grand narrative until, like you said, the last day. And when I played Mechanicus, he had a character that had like a flamer that was doing devastating wounds against infantry on a two up. So mm-hmm. it was like, wow. Yeah. All the crazy tricks you don't really see until you're deep in. So I guess in a weekend, it's kind of good that you only see it a little bit, but I really think for crusade, it's, is it's really much more of a long form. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like if you were doing like one round of crusade a week, then it might not be until you're like a month or so into the campaign that you start seeing like, "Oh, okay, this character that you've been playing through for the last, you know, for the last month is now starting to actually like re, you know, show the f- the results of having been constantly battling. Whereas when you see it over mm-hmm. a weekend, it's like, okay, we're a, we're a day in and he can do what now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, aside from the, the narrative event itself, LVO was really cool. Uh, I got to see Caleb and Kat from CK studios. They were working the uh, army painter booth, uh, along with, uh, Adam from tabletop minions. Um, I, the people at the GW booth are starting to know me by name, which is concerning, um, <laughs> partially because of how much money I spent this weekend. I was going to say, is this a, uh, is this a, oh, it, yes, you're on our uh, preferred customer list. Would you like to come this way? <laughs> yeah. Wait, do, do we have to, do we have to change Carl's to Kevin's? Please we might. Don't. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> I guess In your defense, you were very- left unsupervised. In my defense, I've been very cagey about the specific numbers that I've spent for the weekend because I don't want to talk about it. Um, <laughs> I'll just say this. I wound up walking away with an entire old world army. So <laughs> what? 
Yeah, yeah, I mean, because the, 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 so one of the nice things about it, because there was all of the delays getting the old world stuff, because like, even to this day, like I went to the GW yesterday nearby, cause I was out running some errands and I was like, I'll just swing in. They don't have any of their old world stuff yet. Like here in Phoenix, oh like, there's still stores that can't get that stuff, um, because of shipping well, delays and weather and stuff like that. That's great. There's whole walls of untouched old world here at gaming stores in Dallas. Yeah, well, and it's it's proximity to the Memphis shipping distribution. Like the further out from got that it. you get, it becomes harder. So other stores have gotten their stuff, but they just got their stuff this week. So they announced like the night before, like, "Hey, we are going to be doing like we're going to open up the store a little bit early." So they opened at like seven a.m. Like because we know that we want people to come in and be able to get stuff before, not without having to sacrifice their gaming time. We're going to open up a specific line and do this there, and you know, we'll have some limited old world stuff. So I was number eight in line right behind Duncan Rhodes um, <laughs> and was able to get – I yeah, like I literally stood next to Duncan while wow. we were chatting about the that's, old world stuff. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, I picked up the I picked up the Skellington's box uh, and uh, Cetra the Imperishable and like a Necrosphinx, which – Honest to God, that's the whole reason I picked up Tomb Kings is because I wanted that Necrosphinx model. Um, it's a model I've always wanted for the old world or for Warhammer Fantasy, and I was able to get it. Um, yeah, so picked up a bunch of stuff there. So And then, you know, Artist Opus was there, so I picked up some of their dry brushes. Uh, Free League Press uh, RPG was there, so I picked up a couple of their RPG books. And, you know, um, yeah, I spent a lot of money on things I probably didn't need to but uh in my defense i was left unsupervised and <laughs> like i said had a, a overall i think i had a pretty good weekend so i was like you know what this you know buying more hobby stuff feels better than like you know spending money in the casino <laughs> at least when you pay you know you have something that you come away with for sure yeah when, when you spend money yeah, at the sure. uh, at a convention <laughs> for sure but yeah, LVO was a blast. Uh, anybody, and actually, there was several people because I was wearing my preferred enemy shirt. Several people like talked to me about the podcast and stuff like that. So I appreciate all of you coming up and talking. Um, if we're at events, like definitely come up and say hi. Like you know, you're not, especially when I'm doing stuff like narrative. Like you're not bothering me. It's slow paced. You know, it's relaxed. So I have time to talk and explain and you know do whatever. So I, I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, and I'm really glad that I was able to do it again this year. Yeah. Anytime you see any of us at events, um, yeah, please come up and talk to us because we'd like to know that you're out there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we are a long lasting, but uh, only, like, how, do, how does it? How does Dustin put it on his his bio? I think uh, on a podcast that statistically none of you have listened to. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, as, as we an, do know, as we have listeners. For, <laughs> yeah. Well, as an aside for how long this episode in particular has taken, uh, I had conversations with people there about the Dark Angels Codex and like, you know, like things that like were in it and like, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? And which, you know, we haven't actually got to that review yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's funny. <laughs> But soon. Uh, let's, soon, yes. Very yeah, soon, soon. Like in the second <laughs> part of this episode soon. We will get there. Um, and then uh, this this week, uh, you know, LVO's over. 
everyone kind of waited a week and they're like, okay, Thursday, Thursday, the, the, um, the balance data slate will drop and it did not. And they're like, okay, so maybe they're having to rework it based on things that happened in LVO. I sincerely doubt that. Uh, mostly because the major things that happened at LVO didn't seem to impact this at all. Uh, again, because Necrons and are, are far too new. Uh, but, uh, we did get a balanced data slate. We got an updated, uh, points document. We got an updated, uh, rules commentary. We even got an updated index for one faction, which I mean, that's one way to fix things. Um, it's like when yeah. you know it's a faction is so bad that you're just going to have to go in and give them something completely extra. I mean, I do at least appreciate that they did that though, because yes. they, they needed it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, I did like that uh, with the new balance data slate, they marked new things with a little plus. So it's like you yes. could tell <laughs> what had been changed. Now, how they're going to do that for things that are removed, we don't know. None of the core rules changed. Like those changes that we had last autumn, like the change to Devastating Wounds or Overwatch or Ruin Visibility, uh, stratagems only being able to be adjusted if they have, are a uh, right or if they are a uh, battle tactic. I mean, like though that none of that changed. Um. We did get a number of changes, though, uh, and again, we're uh, well, and we are a little tight on time, so we're not going to cover all these, but we are going to hit a couple of the major ones. Um, hey, Custodes, your uh, Aegis the Emperor works again. I'm thrilled by that. Yeah, actually. they needed that. <laughs> yeah, it always like, made that was... sense. That's how it worked, <clears throat> right? So I'm glad they they fixed it. <laughs> yeah, they got that back, and they got some point shifts so that. Uh, they should hopefully bounce back a little bit, although we'll see how long this lasts. Like, custodians and guard and wardens and uh, praetors all, like, dropped in points. But, of course, we know they are one of the codexes that are due soon. So mm-hmm. I don't know if this just kind of aligns them with where their codex is going to be or or what. We'll see. Uh, hopefully they have put the devastating wounds fix into the codex so they won't need to have a balanced data slate entry, but we'll find out when that comes out. Uh Eldari. Yeah. Yay. Not a great Eldari, all the like the broken stuff from Eldari all pretty much got smacked around, including the strands of fate rule. You now get half as many dice. I mean, I'm actually fine with all the Eldari changes because Strands of Fate was too much. Um, Agreed. Especially since everyone who I know that plays, well, they use Farseers to get sixes. All it means now is if you just want more dice, you'll actually have to use Guardians and or um, Wraith Lords. Uh, also, like the Fate's Messenger, it makes more sense to me now because them changing it to be only the bearer of this gets to make something a six is a lot better than the leader saying, yeah, yours is a six, especially if the character wasn't a Farseer. But right. uh, most time I saw that with a Spirit Seer doing it for Wraithguard to get the devastating wounds. Uh, <laughs> Phantasm, give or take, I don't know. Eldrad, it's it's nice. He gets to, to kind of still give you some more well, dice. They, they- Yay. Well, they just, he always did. They just updated it so it didn't say he gave you a right. total of 15, 15. instead of nine. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
And then the other one that d- jumped out to me that I like is the Wraith Guard. Because it always seems stupid to me. Because uh, to me, it was the spirit of the rule is th- when they shoot back, they should shoot back at what shot them. But the letter of the rule said they could just shoot back. And mm. so it was interpreted, especially here, that they would shoot back at anybody. So I'm glad that's been clarified that it's back to the spirit and the letter are the same of if you get shot, you get a shoot back at the person that shot you. Well, the thing about Wraithguard that gets me is that it's not just that they get to shoot back when they're shot at. They get to shoot back if anything targets them with an attack. I've had Wraithguard charge into one of my units, and then when I had to fight them, because that's what you have to do when you're in close combat, they shoot me back after fighting me already. Yeah, because that's yeah, they did that when they made their guns have like because it makes their guns pistols too when it kicks in. So, yeah, I mean, this is definitely better. This is definitely better. This is better, but yeah, it's it's. Because they're in still the past, a weird you just lock them up by yeah. In the past, you lock them up by just getting them into melee, which is why they did all those changes. But I don't know. It, it's they're in a more balanced place now, but they could probably still use tweaks either way. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I still think they're going to be really, really good. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. They're, they're, yeah, they're good, but this does tone them down. Also, phantasm being toned down to a d six inch move means you're not going to be rocketing Wraithguard across the table quite so regularly. Also true. So I'm I'm fine with that. And the Incarn only being able to teleport on the Eldar player's turn, also very good. Yeah. Because you can't shoot a unit to death and like, boom, Incarn in your backfield. Um, Chaos Marines got a number of... Uh, number of tweaks that basically adjusted their current hotness build like uh putting units that didn't have the same mark in as the transport that they were getting into into a transport they made which i guess people were using nurgle transports and non-nurgle units or vice versa oh everyone Uh, was using nurgle transports you were using nurgle transports because it gave you extra like bonuses like it allowed you to use some stratagems on those vehicles and then you would put uh, unmarked chosen because unmarked chosen uh, got with the uh, <clears throat> dark packs got to re-roll like everything. Mm-hmm. So they were just really good. So which they right. fixed it on both ends. Now you can't throw them in the tr- the, the transport that's on, you know, unless it's also unmarked or has the same mark and the unmarked uh, st- uh, dark pack for chosen only rerolls wounds and not rerolls hits as well, which is still powerful, but not nearly as bad as it was. <laughs> right. Um, and also, like, a cursed cultist's got toned down where um, their OC is weaker and they only regenerate on your own turn rather than on both turns. So that's that's good. Yeah, much I mean, better. that's... Yeah. Um, hey, Blood Angel's got their detachment rule made a little bit slightly better kinda I mean still it's a not enough to make you excited about it apparently <laughs> no no it's not on the other hand gray knights don't their nemesis dread knights don't suck in close combat now 
because they can actually hit. (laughs) Their weapon skill isn't like four up. And then Drukari. Uh, Drukari, uh, power from pain. They added uh, extra AP on their melee attacks if they are empowered by pain. Archons can actually join units of Incubi. You know, a thing they've always been able to do, and that's kind of like an Incubi's role as a bodyguard. (laughs) Glad they put that in. Um, And then, just to sweeten the pot, they gave them an entire new detachment. Note, this does not replace the old Real Space Raiders one. It uh, was just an extra detachment that's all about getting into and out of transports. I'm I'm very intrigued by this. From, you know, aside from the fact that yeah, it's a useful detachment and it plays the way that Dark Eldar are supposed to play, th- kind of sets the precedent of like, hey, we can add detachments like outside of release cycles for armies that need it. So like, yeah, like it it, it gives them an opportunity to kind of boost some of these armies in different ways, which I think is the the thing that I'm mo- more excited about than this specific detachment. Right. Although Drukari players are apparently very excited about this detachment. Um, most yeah. reviews have been like, this is actually really good and something we've been wanting or needing. Because apparently the, like the real space Raiders is not good. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it is not. It also tells me Drukari is not getting a new codex possibly this year. <laughs> or if it is, yeah. it's going to be very late in the year because they're like, well, that also says like, the, obviously, this is a, a detachment they've been working on. So they're basically like, OK, well, we'll throw this into the index because you need something, something different. <laughs> and no other faction, I'm like looking at the other factions um, that are. Struggling, which I will say, assuming that the uh, assuming that the chart is completely correct, um, with the sweet spot being from forty five to fifty five percent, you have Eldarian Necrons slightly outside of that at fifty six. Although I expect, you know, Kevin, you mentioned Necrons are probably going to be the new hotness, especially with the Eldari nerfs. Uh, yeah. Now other. Some other armies got pushed up, and we've obviously got new armies that will, you know, armies that will be getting new codexes soon. But yeah, look for some Necron domination for a little while. Uh, meanwhile, the bottom factions, Blood Angels, Drukari, Guard, although Guard, Guard got nerfed by making uh, their, like, one of their good indirect fire weapons more expensive, because everybody's indirect fire weapons got more expensive. Um. Guard players not happy about that. Nids are struggling. They're like their book is just not doing it for anyone. Knights, Imperial Knights got some points tweaks, but they're the the bondsman rule, which was like the big thing that uh, people were hoping would be would get reversed, did not. Uh, Mechanicus sitting at 46%, but apparently it was one of the least played factions at LVO, uh, and it is not not doing well. Um, man, Gene Stealer Colts at 47%. That's a far cry from where they were before the first data slate last year, because they were dominating along with Eldari. A Tau sitting at 48, Death Guard at 50, Thousand Sons at 51, Sisters at 51, although that may take a little bit of a hit because the um, infinite... It's just uh, one unit, Rob. 
Yeah, it's one unit that becomes an auto take. <laughs> yeah, right. the Triumph of St. Catherine. Also, the hardest unit to assemble and paint in the entire army. I still want to get one someday just for the... It's because it's a centerpiece. It would be really cool, but it's also... Oh, it's an absolutely a, beautiful centerpiece. Daunting. <laughs> yeah, just a little. I Even I'm like, mm, I, I, can I paint anything else first? <laughs> Like they did, uh, like they did give Imperial Knights the ability to re-roll hit rolls and wound rolls, like one of each. And then World Eaters, uh, World Eaters got hit with a number of updates, which Kevin, you said at least one of those is warranted. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> the big thing is like a lot of World Eaters players aren't happy because the army was good but not great. You know, like they weren't. It, it's a very limited faction. It's as subtle as a brick. Um, so there's, there's just, you know, they're like, oh, we want to do things to improve internal balance. I'm like, well, we need more units then because there's like six units that are useful. Um, but they did tone down some of the, the, the combos, the Berserker Glaive Master of Execution combo got toned down the Berserker Glaive instead of it being D3 attacks and damage on the charge is just now a flat one. That's going to be huge. Some characters' support went up a little bit. Uh, eight bound went up. The, the units that are good went up. That's probably fine. I I don't think it's huge. I think it's just kind of like tweaking them a little bit on the margins. Um, maybe you're going to wind up with one less unit over the course of a game. They didn't change any of the big stuff. Like Angron is still an auto include. Uh, you still can bring him back. I guess I guess that's probably the one big change. Uh, the other big change is they changed the favorite of corn uh, enhancement. So instead of it being a thing you can use multiple times, you can use it once. People were using that to chain with other things to bring Angron back easier. So now it's now instead of it being like a 33% to bring Angron back, it's like a 28% chance, eh, you know, for an army where like the whole the army competitively is built around Angron. Like, I guess that's a big deal, but I don't know. Give us more units. <laughs> if you had more than one build, it might mean something. Right. Yeah. It's like, eh. the army's still fun to play, but like, there's a reason I'm not playing it competitively. <laughs> uh, let's see. So yeah, I, I honestly, I, this is not nearly as sweeping a set of changes as we saw last last time around, but I, the game was already in a better place. And and most people have said that the game is in a better place yeah. than it, you know, and I, I've even say pe- seen people arguing that 10th is possibly now, n- you know, n- and even like leading up to this balanced save slate, 10th was still probably the most balanced edition of the game. Uh, I've still, there's still arguments on whether it is a good edition of the game, but at least it appears you know, balance is as seriously sure. a thing that they're attempting to achieve and they're getting much closer to it. Yeah, I think they've, I think this didn't need to be as big an update. You know, the, the game is in a much better spot. I think most factions have at least a build or two that they can use. You know, that I think a lot of it was a lot of the changes, because there was a lot of changes, but they were on the margins. Things like for internal balance to try to get you from in a world leader's army. Okay, I'm going to take a master of executions with the berserker glaive and Angron, and then I'm going to build the rest of my army off of that. It's like okay, now it's not 
as obvious to take this one character, this one kitted out this way. In um, Sisters, like one of the big things was like they tweaked the points on Morgan Vall and uh, the the war suits. Uh, war suits. I was trying to think yeah. of like pendant and engines. That's not what they're paragon. Called. The war suits. Paragon. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. And it's like if you take Morgan Vall and a unit of paragon war suits. It like still comes out the same, but it's encouraging mm. you to like take her in the context of a unit of Paragon of Warsuits. So like stuff like that, I think is good for internal balance. Um, but yeah, I think the game is in a much better spot than it was six months ago. Yeah. Well, it's like uh, Crisis Suits went up. But the commanders went down, except for the Cold Star mm-hmm. Commander, which is the one that most people have been t- pairing with them. So uh, they're trying to kind of push people away from the, the bricks of six with uh, triple ion blasters and a Cold yep. Star, which I get because the, the threat range you get and the amount of firepower you get. Um, but a, a brick of six crisis suits is now 400 points. Which is a, a, a little a bit. It's a lot, especially a lot. considering Riptides are now down to 165. Yeah, Riptides are the cheapest they've ever been. I don't know that they're the best they've ever been because I still think their rules. Uh, no, they were better not at the throwing best. out offensive firepower, but they are really good for what they are now. Yeah, and I'm just like, I'm probably I've been uh, working on revising my tau list because that's probably one of me still be playing competitively for right now because it's the one there everything's painted um, and mm-hmm. I'm thinking double double riptide I have a third one painted in the colors of the eight so I could do a triple but it, it would look a little bit out of place but uh, I am I am also thinking about picking up a riptide but for a different reason yeah, well, yes, I know why you'd be picking up Riptide. Because <laughs> you want to mount Kroot on it he, so you can have it He's going to be a very, very Riptide. angry boy, isn't he? <laughs> he is going to be an angry boy, yes. <laughs> the what angriest was that, what of was boys. That, uh, <laughs> I was going to say you'll mount Kroot on it so that you can have Kroot piloting it and have a, have a Kroot transport Riptide. Well, when the thing that came up, like, as I was during the, the, the narrative event, I was showing off the army, and they're like, oh, that's cool, you're redoing the eight as, like, corn, And I'm like shoot, now I have to. <laughs> like, I wasn't <laughs> intentionally, but now I have to. And the only thing I'm missing is a Riptide. And I'm like, well, what can I do with a Riptide? Oh, yeah. Angry boy. Okay. <laughs> the so, angriest of boys. The angriest of boys. <laughs> the Rip and Tear Tide. <laughs> uh, let's see. And then, like... Uh, They've also made a couple of updates. They they announced a couple of updates to the app. Um, I do like the command bunker where it's like your list. Actually, they, you can just show the data sheets from your list with the web, the war gear that you selected rather than having to search back through the reference sheets to find everything. Very nice. It very useful. Nice. Um, it would be nice if you could actually access stuff that after a codex came out. But, you know... I'm I'm gonna keep beating that that drum. That, yeah. Uh, no, for sure. Because it's uh, dumb. It's a dumb decision. It is dumb. <laughs> yeah. For a little while, at least, I can still view my towel this way, and it it still works. But uh, 
So it it is nicer. It's just uh, it's a more useful app. It's still not a great app yet. It, it mostly because of the the way they've accessed digital army rules. And I've seen even people say like, so if they kept things with digital rules, they could do more of these like Drukari style fixes anytime. It's like yes, yes, mm-hmm. they could. They they still don't quite manage to see that yet, but. Uh, Legacy company selling things in a legacy fashion and and s- trying to get themselves online and still not quite getting it, but uh, at least at, at least it efforts are being made. So begrudging approval. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I will say this: like if the way like the the upgrades they did to their website give me complete confidence that they will be able to figure this out and not have any issues with the app going forward. <laughs> <laughs> that's the other thing i'm gonna harp on that website is still garbage <laughs> oh it's terrible yeah. it compared to what was there before it is so much worse <sighs> it's like you could have done nothing and it would have been better and it's like you can't even yeah. say like well we managed to merge forge world and uh the warhammer site and one thing it's like yeah but they were running the same software anyway they you searched them and were interacted with them identically yeah you, you could have done, done that, that at any time yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. They, they need to learn that like the people who are going to buy books are going to buy books and the people who aren't aren't yep. yeah and that people want to have multiple ways to access their rules and online is one of them and if there's a free way to do it they will find it yeah for sure they learned nothing from the days of uh, music piracy, where it turns out if you put things, if you make things available in an inexpensive fashion, people will gladly pay for it. But if you make it very expensive and onerous, then they will figure out how to pirate your stuff. <laughs> yeah. Ah, but anyway, I think, uh, is that everything? Is that everything that happened? Like the, the, the quick version of everything that has happened over the last uh, weeks? Weeks. I've lost track of how many weeks. Yeah, I think it's everything I can I, think I, of. I mean, <laughs> think unless we wanted to yeah. read through the points updates line by line. No, no. Which and you know, there's not a ton of them. Like some armies didn't get touched at all. Like right. uh, Thousand Suns, no changes. Uh, yeah. And to me, it seemed like Necrons. Like I no, looked at no, well, Voton. Necrons are no changes. All, all the popular Voton units got hit. Nothing else changed. So it, it seems like they were trying to encourage diversity in a faction. Yeah. Gosh, I was watching Poor Hammer's coverage of it, and uh, they were talking about Drukari. It's like, yeah, Drukari got a bunch of point drops, except for the Void Raven bomber. What aircraft hurt you, <laughs> GW? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Aircraft just don't exist in this edition. That's the way no, they don't process it. Part of me is happy with that, even though I have a bunch of aircraft. I mean, I've even used my Orion on a table, and it's like almost eight hundred points. It was it was really fun to face a Thunderhawk. It was also the most awkward like rules interactions. Like it, we we had to stop multiple times and be like, okay, so how does that work? Yeah, this 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 edition is not designed for aircraft. No. Well, thankfully, I just since Orion's a transport, I just put it in hover mode and it's treated like a normal vehicle. I don't think the Thunderhawk has that capability, does it? 
I would like to point out the Dark Angels did get points updates for the like week before their codex is like the two weeks before their codex like is treated as official, and they don't match the points in the book. So it's not that it applies, and it includes units that do not exist in the book anymore. So. Um, Which is how you know that these are points for the index version. So we'll see if these are just tweaks and this is just to stay the same. Because we all know the points in the book don't matter because there'd be a day one change anyway. Right. So we'll see if these are the day one points of the Dark Angels or if they'll be a different. But yeah, I do expect when it hits that there'll be some units added and some units removed. Well, speaking of Dark Angels, should we go ahead and take a break and then uh, come back and talk about that book finally? Sure, sure. Yes. Yeah, I guess. All right. Well, we will all see you in a bit after this break for sponsor identification. Uh, When we come back, our coverage finally of the Deathwing Assault Box and the new Dark Angels Codex Supplement. See you in a bit. Miniatures. We build them, we paint them, we love them. That's why we also want to get them to the battle and back again safely. And that's where Kara Multicase comes in. They offer a complete model storage and transport system. They offer a wide selection of core trays for standard size miniatures, as well as custom cut trays for specific models. KR's trays are made of a soft foam, available in a variety of colors, that won't scratch or snag your models. And to protect the foam, the trays are carried in easily stackable, swappable cardboard cases. They also offer a full range of Kaiser bags, backpacks, and aluminum cases for transporting your KR cases. You can even choose from pre-built tray selections to suit your army, or use the Autofill app to find just the right trays for your particular force. Whatever your game, 40K, X-Wing, Warm Hordes, or Historicals, KR Multicase has the cases to fit your needs. You can find out more at krmulticase.com. KR Multicase, soft foam for your figures, hard cases for the soft foam. Are you tired of playing on a boring battlefield? Do you want to step up the quality of your gaming table and make your battle look real? Then you need to check out the battle mats from Game Mat. Their professionally designed rubber-based mats are just what your gaming table needs. Available in a variety of styles, with everything from rolling grasslands to urban war zones, winter wastelands to alien deserts, there's a Game Mat mat to fit any kind of terrain. Their mats are padded, anti-slip, waterproof, and when you're done rolling dice and battling on your mat, just roll it up and stick it in the convenient carrying bag for easy transport and storage. And if you don't have a gaming table, they've got you covered with their folding Gboard portable gaming area and their line of pre-painted resin terrain. If you're ready to upgrade your gaming table, head over to www.gamemat.eu and find the gaming mat that's right for you. Game Mat, giving your armies the battlefield they deserve. And we're back, and that means it's time to talk about the Deathwing Assault Box and the new Dark Angels Codex Supplement. Uh, Again, as I mentioned earlier in the show, Games Workshop was kind enough to send us a copy of the Deathwing Assault Box and of the uh, Codex. So we've had a chance to look through them for a while, although between weather, and I think I got it sent off before my trip, so at least it wasn't delayed by me being sick, Um, I was able to get the box to Dennis before recording, although not 
in not as early as I would have liked because January sucked here because of weather. Um, we yeah, were it basically got here just fine. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad I made it there. Um, but uh, yeah, you are our Dark Angels player. In fact, you are fr- a freshly minted by comparison. Yeah. Dark Angels player. If you told me I'd be the one talking about this two years ago, I probably would have laughed at you. Because <laughs> yes. I'm like, I have no interest in this. And then they came out with a lion, and you're like, damn it, I have Yeah, to I, I jumped all in. Um, yeah, when the box got here, one, the presentation on the box is, is amazing. Um, I love the artwork on it, all the lettering. And then when you open it up, um, you get to see the books there and then all the sprues. It has so many sprues. I think I joked around about this, about how many sprues it was, but it's, it's set for two full Terminator squads, a Deathwing Knights, which is its own separate type of sprue. And then it had two of the upgrade sprues, which are actually really darn amazing because they have Terminator parts on them, like the plasma guns that no other Terminators have. They've got things you could put on the bikes. So if you did have some bikes and wanted to put like Raven wing kind of things on them, you could. And then it had green wing parts. So you, including like shoulder pads. So you could easily, and this is what I did do is I had a box of hell blasters. I was going to make dark angels. Um, Cause I got to have my plasma brick, even though that's like a couple editions ago. Um, and so, yeah, I was able to build them and put Dark Angels um, shoulder pads on them because there was plenty from these Dark Angels upgrades. So I was thoroughly thrilled with that. And then there was one more sprue, um, this guy called Blyle. Don't know if you've heard of him much. Probably not because nobody uses him. Um, he is a centerpiece model. I mean, that was the first one I put together. And as soon as I put together, I'm like, wow, this this guy just looks amazing. Um, so once again, props to GW's sculpting department or whoever's making these because, and you also get options of, of heads and whatnot. Of course, I took the hooded head. Um, cause that's my, my theme is I'm like hooded. Oh, that's the other thing on the Dark Angel sprue. It has hooded heads. So also my hell blast, hell blasters have hooded heads because that's really wanted in the Dark Angels army. And now you, in these upgrade sprues, I'm so since our talk from before, I do hope they sell these upgrade sprues individually so you can build a Dark Angels army with all their shoulder pads and some other things and the hooded heads because I think that would just be amazing. So, yeah, the knights they were the second thing I put together and they also looked phenomenal. They so much details on them. Um, I had a hard time debating between swords or their maces. The weird thing is the maces look a lot different than the previous versions maces did. The old maces kind of look just like ball maces, and these are more square and rectangular, and so it just seemed a little different. Um, and then the special weapon... Um, Instead of being like a flail, like it used to be, now it's just a bigger mace. Um, and so I, I said, well, I'll try out all the swords because they look kind of cool and I don't have swords and I can always go to the old ones if I want the maces. And so I built them with the swords and the swords all look good. I mean, they're swords and they're very standard. The only one that jumped out to me was the sergeant sword that, because that sword actually has all the lettering on the blade, 
and it just looks so cool when you get that. It's going to probably be a small pain to, well, it's in, it's, it's recessed in there. So just a good wash will probably make those pop. But yeah, just the detail on the shields and all the shields are different, which I did appreciate. So it's like, yeah, you can have this guy. And I mean, I don't think we go that far in crusade of naming individual people in a squad, but if you could, at least these guys are easy to identify and, <laughs> and they're not all looking the same, which, which I appreciated. Um, the Terminators, I, and they were probably the least exciting thing in the box because they're Terminators and they're, they're, they're Terminators. Uh, the same bo- Terminators you got out of the Leviathan box, these are those Terminators. So they, they weren't as exciting, but when you added in the Death, or the, not the Deathwing, but the Dark Angel Sprue, I got to put a plasma gun on one. I got to clip out the Watcher in the Dark for them because the Watcher in the Dark does not come in the Terminator kit. Um, oh, and then the Knights also did have their own unique Watcher in the Dark that comes with them. So, yeah, just, it's not, well, they say there's a lot of models, but they're also counting the Watchers in the Dark and the Teleport Homers, which I still think is kind of silly. But, <laughs> but for those, I'm going to say 16 Terminator models, uh, they were so cool. Um, then also in the box, besides, I mean, the codex is actually really nice looking. Um, yeah, sometimes on the collector's editions, you're like, eh, but I really like the way this one looks and came out. It's got the embossed on the, both the front and the back with the little checker mark and then the dark angel symbol. And yeah, no, it's, I like the artwork on it because it's nice muted greens and grays and dark blues so it kind of gives that old-timey feel to it um no i thought it was neat that they they brought back because that's older art of yes. the interrogator I, chaplain i think that's the yes. third edition cover for the dark angels codex and like it it's yeah be. it's just great like it it's awesome i love that <laughs> and then the other thing that came with it was the deck of well not deck of cards but the the index <laughs> well in the the cards Data slate cards. That's what they were called. Um, and I kind of forgot how much I missed these because I, I went all in on index cards. Then I felt burned when the codexes started coming out in my indexes where cards were like not useful. Uh, so I, I did not pick up the Space Marine one because I was still kind of in, in protest and sad. And I was like, well, what other changes they make? These might not be good for that long, blah, blah, blah. Um, but actually, after having the Dark Angels one in hand and looking through them, they're smaller than the index cards. I, mean, I think they're like four by six as opposed to five by seven. Um, so thus the printing on them is smaller and thus a little harder to read. Um, but I think I like that smaller size because you can lay them out on the table better. Uh, they, or they take up less space on the table. I'll say it that way. Um, and it made me kind of want to go back and see if I can find the Space Marine Codex cards, because then I would have the full set, because well, unfortunately, you cannot make a Dark Angels army out of only Dark Angels units. <laughs> I mean, but, you yeah. can, but it won't be very well-rounded. Uh, it would... You'd have a lot of characters that didn't have units they could attach to. <laughs> uh, tr- <laughs> well, yeah, true. It depend. Well... We'll we'll talk about what options they have and have in, in in they do have like you can kinda sorta I mean 
you've got enough flyers to do like well, Samuel will still be fine. Belial is definitely fine, but Ezekiel wouldn't have anybody. Um, I guess. Well, no, I guess you're right. Inner Circle companions are the new unit that might that people might take. Right. Let's see. Yeah, so Azrael can go to there. Asmodee can go there. Um, Ezekiel can go there, but now I'm capped out, and so uh, Lazarus can't have anybody then. So because there's four HQs and you can only take three of them, so you'd have to just not take one of those four HQs. So, yes, you're right. You probably could, especially if you leaned heavily into the um, Deathwing. Yeah, you, which you'd have to. Well, and Ravenwing, I guess. I would yeah, like to issue take- a, a quick correction. It's the fourth edition Dark Angels Codex, not the third. I was say, the third. I mean, it's a sim- similar <laughs> art. Yeah, it's but similar. Not exactly. <laughs> but it is exactly the fourth edition art. So, yeah, I guess if you just did Deathwing and Ravenwing only, you could do things out of just this book. Although it'd be kind of weird, especially for Deathwing, because you kind of want the captain in Terminator armor or the chaplain in, or the even the librarian. There's more Terminators than just the one Belial. So, yeah, too bad we don't have an apothecary in Terminator armor. That would be nice. You used to. Yes, we used it to. It used to be a thing. I know. Maybe he got a hold of two Chaos uh, Space Marine Lightning Claws, and they said, oh, no more of you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, no, I I will say this. There's a weird grinding sound on the background track. I can't tell what it is. (laughs) But but all in all, the presentation of the box and its contents are are really good. So if if you're into the aesthetic or just love Deathwing... um, yeah, this is a great box. If you can see it on the shelves, I would definitely recommend picking it up if you like the models, the lore, or all that parts of um, the Dark Angels. As for the rules, I know we'll get into that next. They're not as happy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we. I do want to talk a bit about the fluff for the Dark Angels. If you are unaware uh, of the the thing about the Dark Angels, this is a chapter that... Dates all the way back to the Horse Heresy. They were, in fact, the first Legion. They were also a Legion that ended up having a schism because one part of the the uh, Legion was basically told, okay, you stay back home, defend our, our home planet, while the rest of us will go out crusading and freeing up the, the galaxy for humanity. And the forces of chaos decided to start uh, whispering in the ear of the dark angels who stayed at home and caused them to fall. And it, it ended up leading to a, a duel and fight on, on Caliban, which left Lionel Johnson mortally wounded and caused the planet to explode. And uh, leaving only, as you do, which leaves let only a sex segment of the planet that had basically their fortress monastery on it called The Rock as re- remaining. The body of Lionel Johnson was taken away by the Watchers in the Dark. And for the longest time in the lore, the Dark Angels were all about their shameful secret trademark that they had partially fallen to chaos and therefore, they were 
because of the weirdness of the warp and the fact that the chaos powers allowed the a, a good number of the the ones who had fallen and betrayed the dark angels to disappear into the warp led to 10,000 years of the Dark Angels basically trying to hunt down what they called the Fallen, which were the Fallen Angels, um, and not telling anybody what they were actually doing to the point where they would, like, divert entire fleets. Like, if a fleet of Dark Angels forces were going to a particular planet because the Imperium had said, we need your help, and then they hear about a couple of systems over, there's a Fallen there, go over to deal with the Fallen instead. But also, it means sometimes they would show up and help where nobody was expecting them. This led to a lot of investigations into whether or not uh, they were being traitors, which didn't help their sense of why they had to maintain a secret. (laughs) (laughs) And for nine editions, well, I'll say eight editions of the game because I'm not going to count the first one. I'm not going to count Rogue Traitor as being anything remotely canonical. Uh, But for eight editions of the game... That's pretty much how how this all went. And then, during the Arcs of Omen series, which led to 10th edition, we got Lionel Johnson, who, like, it had been, there was, like, at, at the end of every, or at least the f- few most recent Dark Angels codexes, there would be a little snippet at the end, like the secret is Lionel Johnson is in a little chamber at the bottom of the rock and he is healing up and apparently alive. And then the last one was like, and now his body has disappeared and nobody knows where he is. And that was, that was like the lore that like Lionel Johnson was out there somewhere doing stuff. And then in the arcs of Omen series at the, the uh, climax of that, he reappeared and apparently he's been walking through some sort of weird forest webway and collecting the fallen and forgiving them and rendering them as the risen. This has not changed the way the Dark Angels behave in any way. <laughs> reading reading through the fluff, I would I read I there's not many like especially for an army that I don't play, I don't tend to dig too far into the fluff. Like, I'll, I'll read it so I'm aware of it, but, like, I really want to dig into this. Like, okay, the lion is back, and he's been not fixing necessarily, but he's been, like, rehabilitating some of the fallen into the risen. And, and surely, you know, he's been accepted by his dark angels and their successor chapters, and he, like, so maybe they don't need to be called the Unforgiven anymore, and they can... Uh, no, they and they can stop hunting the fallen. Nope, nope. They still hunt the fallen. They still keep that as a secret from everyone. They still have interrogator chaplains. The only difference is that sometimes, if they find a particularly interesting fallen, Lionel Johnson will show up and go into the room while no one else is there, and then either he'll come back out and there's a dead fallen, or he'll just be gone and the fallen will be gone too. Okay. Do we know how Lionel Johnson has been uh, moving around without a fleet? <laughs> nope. Not meant like it's not explained. It's like it's a mystery yeah, to him. He, he, he doesn't walks know it either. Through the foresty webway. Right. The, and it actually spreads forest wherever he goes. What is it? We don't know. It's something the Eldar didn't discover yet. <laughs> I, I think as I I think as I described it in the Arcs of Omen book, 
oh, you want answers to this? Screw you for asking. <laughs> like, yeah. Which is fine. Like, I don't actually, it doesn't actually bother me, but I do think it's kind of funny that they're like, all of this thing has changed. This has all happened. This is groundbreaking, earth shattering. What? How does it impact the chapter? In no way, shape, or form. Cool. <laughs> I mean, isn't that how bureaucracy also works? Something big well, happens, but the, it's the, the necessities of it's the necessities of a metastatic like yeah. universe for a war game. It's just I just find it funny. This is this is a particularly funny example of it. <laughs> I mean, for me, this is them moving the needle because him making the risen is awesome, and also as you said, Rob, sometimes the fallen just is vanish both either with him or just on their own, maybe the ones that are fallen that can be risen are ones that also have that same ability he does. Um, because to then your point, Kevin, I also thought when the um, Yvrain and the Incarn showed up with the Yanari, I thought that was going to be, oh my gosh, this is going to shake everything. No, it, it, it didn't. And I don't want to say it got put to a footnote, but it kind of got then shelved and then, set on a side and the Eldar are still doing what the Eldar do. And this is going to be the same. So to me, this was moving the needle as much it as is. games workshop wants to move the needle. It right. is. And I, and I get why they do it. I just, I just find it kind of funny. <laughs> well, and it's also like, I, I look at this and it, I feel like there's a little bit of lost opportunity to move things forward. And yet they're also just like, nah, there's, we're just going to kind of, yeah, we're not going to explain anything. We're not going to, to, to really like, we're, we'll expand it a little bit by saying, yeah, Lionel Johnson is still walking around in the Imperium Noctis and he shows up on planets and he hates what the Imperium has become, but he's still defending humanity. Um, he's not leading crusades the way his brother does, but he he doesn't have like he's more interested in the people who are actually taking action rather than the people who are just looking out after themselves or blindly following dogma. And I think and that's what also called me to him a lot more than Bobby G is Bobby G just seems like a bureaucrat. And this is a bad term, but I'd say that he kind of reminds me of a Robin Hood of I'm going to support the people. I'm going after the people that are trying. I don't care about the people in their ivory towers they don't interest me because they're not really helping. We got to mm-hmm. get boots on the ground, solve things, take action. Yeah, no, he's it, like he's a definitely a different kind of char- character than Bobby G, and it's nice to see that kind of divergence in the Primarchs, as there should be. I mean, they're all their own people with their own experiences. Well, I think this. I think it's interesting that this is like an oper- a thing that they couldn't have done prior to the Horus Heresy novels. Like if they tried to bring Primarchs back in 2003, I bet they probably would have just been the same, but there's been 150 novels now, like explaining the backgrounds, explaining these characters, developing their personalities. Like I feel like they're finally in a position where they can bring these back and they're not just all the same character, which I think is very neat. I will agree with that and use case in point Phoenix Lords, which when they first came out, they were just upgraded people at that unit. Then they became like their own little things, but their stat lines always stayed the same. And it, even now, they just feel like they're upgrades for that one particular unit, and that's it. And so I, that Primarchs being just that for either chapter would have felt a little hollow. 
thankfully, at least in the Phoenix Lord thing, there's there's at least like they've got brand new models that look really cool and give them unique personalities. And oh shit, those are still second edition models. Um, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> not all, but the majority, yes, majority, yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're up to two now in plastic. <laughs> Yeah. Still hoping for Carandris now that we've got plastic uh, striking scorpions. Yeah, we'll see. Anyway, sorry, still, off topic. <laughs> well, I love talking Phoenix Lords. Okay, go ahead, Rob. <laughs> uh, one thing I was disappointed in, though, was that while there's been the, like, in the Arcs of Omen book, there was the 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 Risen were, like, a big thing. If they're they're barely touched on at all in the codex and even the inner circle companions, which when they showed those off, it's like, wait a minute, they're wearing like the old black armor from the Horus heresy. Surely these are the risen who are being used to like protect important people in the dark angels. Nope. They're just mysterious people that show up. And even the lion doesn't know who they are. Yeah. I, uh, I was kind of bummed about that. <laughs> they, they've kind of tied this more to the watchers for the inner circle companions than, the Dark Angels, but at the same time, I'm kind of like you. I would have loved to have a Risen Detachment and just something where you could, like, make give everyone the Risen trait and have, like, things for the Risen because that seems to be the direction I felt things were going. But then to Kevin's point, that would probably be moving the needle too far, and so all we got is a little bit of lore. But, yeah, I'm with you, Rob. I, if they could have done more with the Risen, they might have, I don't know needed another unit besides just inner circle companions for that. Well, I don't know. We'll see. Well, I say we'll see, but it'll probably be three or four years till they get a new codex where we see if they move the needle at all. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Basically, Dark Angel's got no Riz. Now my children are disappointed in me. So we'll move on. (laughs) Um, I was going to make a joke that like I wanted a Wu-Tang detachment. (laughs) So sure. Yeah. Same, same thing. Same joke. (laughs) I was gonna make the Death joke Wang, that, Raven that, Wang, Wu Tang. That Lionel is is the the load bearing boss for Caliban. <laughs> that, that's what that's what the deep dark secret is. Oh, ouch! Dig it. Hurts. <laughs> oh, so good. <laughs> uh, but then we'll get into the rules for the uh, Deathwing. Uh, or, or, again, Deathwing. We'll get into the rules for the Dark Angels. Uh, they are, because this is a supplement to the Space Marine Codex, and thus you can use all of the detachments in the Space Marine Codex, they only put three in here. And one of them is pretty much the same as the Index version, the Unforgiven Task Force. Uh, that really, I think there was one stratagem that changed, and that was about it. Unbreakable lines changed from uh, reducing incoming damage by one if an opponent charges you to uh, subtracting one from the wound roll when an opponent charges you. Otherwise, as far as I could tell, this is still just the this is how we represent the Dark Angels who, you know, they always had like the grim resolve in the past. And this one, basically, they can never be reduced to OC zero, even when, when they're battle shocked, they Will always they can always try to hold objectives and i know yeah. a lot of people in the community are saying oh this is horrible let's just use gladius detachment but 
I'm sorry. I fail Battleshock rolls and I play against two Tyranid players. So Shadows in the Warp hits me a lot and I can't save worth a darn. I like this not going down to zero. <laughs> right. And, and basically uh, a good chunk of your strats or enhancements have to do with like either they get better when you're Battleshocked. Or, like, if you're below strength, it is it is very much a defensive detachment for, like, you know, stubbornly holding on to objectives and stubbornly resisting things that would try to push you off. Um, and they have one of my favorite stratagems, which is fall back and still shoot. Because not every which, faction has that. Right. In, intractable. Yes. Which are, you can also charge, too, which, depending on what you're doing, could be very nice. Uh, then uh, the two new detachments are basically for the Deathwing and the Ravenwing. So for the Deathwing, you get the Inner Circle Task Force, which you pick an objective marker each turn, and that becomes your vowed objective for the turn until your next command phase. And each time a Deathwing infantry unit from your army makes an attack that targets a unit within range of it, you add one to the wound roll. So you're very good at clearing people off of objectives. I would also like to point out the following things gain the Deathwing keyword if they are from the Dark Angels chapter. Terminator units, Bladeguard Ancients, Bladeguard Vets, Sternguard Vets, and Vanguard Vets. And then all the Land Raiders, the Repulsor, the Repulsor Executioner, and all Dreadnoughts. Um, I do find it interesting that none of the characters do unless they are in Terminator armor. So, like, a right. generic captain will not. Yep. However, Which, Lazarus does. <laughs> right. And, and here's the annoying thing. I'll jump ahead a little bit. When you go into the um, stratagems... A lot of them target Deathwing units, and so, and like their main th rule, like you read, where you want your Deathwing infantry. Um, but other than Terminators, you don't, or in the Stern Card, Blade Guard, you don't have many options. The way around that is Lazarus, Asmodai, Ezekiel, and, um, Azrael all do have the Deathwing trait. So whatever units those ones lead suddenly can have that Deathwing. So that's your way to kind of bring in other units. But then if you're looking, like you said, for a generic leader, uh, like if you were going to maybe do a crusade with Dark Angels, um, yeah, you, they don't get it. So you're just you're out of luck. It's it's kind of sad. I wish there was an upgrade or something you can give the Deathwing trait to a leader or mm. a character, I mean. But we didn't get that in the crusade rules either. Sad. No. And... This was actually something that was lost, you know, when the index came around, but also the, the idea of interrogator chaplains being a thing. Those are gone. Like th those weren't in this book, but they weren't in the index either. But it's like, it would be nice if you could have chaplains and captains and librarians that were not named in the, in the Deathwing. Like there should be a way to make Deathwing characters and there's just not, unless they're in Terminator armor. Uh, and the Raven Wing has a similar issue. Uh, you get mounted units can be in the Raven Wing, which is besides the ones in this book, uh, that would be the Outriders and the Chaplain on a Bike, and that's it. And then vehicles yeah. that can fly. Well, and then they also have an another caveat for Raven Wing is your Outriders gain the battle line keyword. 
Yes, in that for that particular detachment. If you take the Company of Hunters detachment. Which is, is nice, though lets you have six units of Outriders. Not going to complain about that. I am going to complain about the gutting that bikes got in the Space Marine Codex, but we've talked about that before. Oh, we, we did, but we were expecting it to fill in when the Ravenwing got here. Yeah. Actually, I Spoilers! <laughs> it did not. <laughs> in fact, they lost options. Because there's things that we used to have, like the death, like the Deathwing Strike Master or the Ravenwing Talon Master, don't exist anymore. Not at all. The like the Ravenwing losing the Talon Master. Now, granted, they removed that because the Talon Master was made with a land speeder, which the old land speeders are not supported anymore. So that is, they didn't create an option for it. And what I think is hilarious in that I'm going to laugh because otherwise I would cry is that in the list of like the Ravenwing, like the, the, the two page fluff spread on the Ravenwing, there's a paragraph talking about talent masters who are the Ravenwing equivalent to a Lieutenant. It's mentioned you can't have one, but you they they do exist in the fluff. I don't know. GW has never done that before. <laughs> it just means we might see them in the next ten years. Yeah, that's true. It's, I I would suspect that because they gutted bikes so much that at some point white scars or when they do the next version of Dark Angels that they'll focus on those and they'll add start adding that stuff back. But, like, yeah, if it's the next Archangels Codex, that might be three to five years. So, not ideal. No. Also, some no. someone else who does not have the Deathwing keyword, Lionel Johnson. No, that's good, in a way. And he's not part of the Deathwing, in a way. Yeah, that actually makes sense to me, yeah. to be honest. He's, he's his own. <laughs> he's also not infantry, so he, he is a right. monster, so he wouldn't yeah. benefit from those anyway. Um, Inner Circle Companions are Deathwing, though, so. Yes, uh, but so yeah, the inner circle a leader with them right. to to make you can put a leader with them that doesn't have the keyword, and then they're still all Deathwing. So yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, inner circle task force like all the uh, all the enhancements are for Deathwing models, which Dennis, as you pointed out, does not leave you with much in the way of unnamed characters <laughs> to put them on. Right. Well, the majority of them want to be on Terminators anyway, so right. I'm, I'm okay with that. Especially the, my favorite one, which is the bottom one called Deathwing Assault. Because that one lets you teleport in using your Deep Strike ability on the first turn. Yeah. Regardless of the rules. So it's like, if you want your Terminators in quickly, here's your way to do it. Right. I think that's the only one that really jumped out at me. The others are good. But yeah, two of them are like focused on your uh, your vowed objective. They like they do something, but then they're better if you're near your if you're within range of the vowed objective. Because um, one gets you lethal hits, lets you if you're within range, lets you lethal hit on a five up. Uh, one lets you uh, gain a CP, and the roll is better if you're near an objective. Anytime you use a stratagem, and then one is just uh, you pile in or consolidate an extra three inches, which that one's not bad. That's the second one I like. I, I, I the vowed objective ones are 
situational. You're going to be trying for your VAT objective, but the CP one less so because I've been trying to run Azrael to get the that CP, so I can't get more. So don't need that. But Deathwing Assault is definitely the one where you teleport in. Singular will it would be nice if you just went to consolidate more, which mm-hmm. Terminators are so slow, it might yeah. not be a bad thing. Yeah, five inches of movement, you will start feeling that very, very quickly. But yeah, you're like your strats, and again, all of these have Armor of Contempt because that's the Space Marine thing. So you've got Martial Mastery and Duty into Death and Wrath of the Lion all really key off of being near your uh like they get again get better based on being near your vowed objective marker because one lets you reroll wound rolls of one uh, martial mastery lets you reroll wound rolls of one you can reroll any wound roll if you're within uh range of your vowed uh vowed objective marker duty unto death um lets you fight on death and you add one to the roll uh to get a four up if uh, you are within range of your vowed objective marker, uh, Wrath of the Lion lets you do mortal wounds on a four up after you charge someone. You add one to the roll if the if you're within range of your vowed or if the enemy units within range of your vowed objective marker. So again, you are trying to push people off those objective markers, and then. You've got uh, Relic Teleportarium, which uh, lets you deep strike within three inches, but you can't charge. I mean, that's a lot of players nowadays are know that nine inch bubble very well. Mm-hmm. And so they'll put their backfields or to where you have they can guide where you're going to teleport into. This gets you around that quite easily because three inches is a ton easier to do than nine. Right. And that's basically what happened with the uh, the monolith. monolith. <laughs> yeah, it's basically he misjudged where because he forgot that they have a stratagem that lets them do a three inch deep strike as long as they don't charge monolith's not going to charge anybody so just drop it there so yeah being able to get that three inch drop and you've got enough shooting on deathwing well that and the other thing is deathwing the knights are very survivable and just the terminators are decently survivable if you drop them in the right spot so yeah this i like the stratagem for them especially if you do a first turn drop with deathwing assault for one of the units yeah uh, and then finally, unmatched fortitude basically uh, subtracts one from the wound roll when someone targets you during the shooting phase if the strength of the weapon is higher than your toughness. So if they're hitting you with heavy weapons, they are less likely to wound you. And we've seen this work wonders on Hearthkin. Mm-hmm. I mean, so this will this will work wonders on them. The only downside is you have to pay a CP for it while Hearthkin are free. But it's it's a wonderful strat. Yeah. And then when you get to Ravenwing, you've got the Company of Hunters. Uh, the well, rule I'll, here. I'll is- jump here for a minute, Rob. The biggest thing, okay. though, before we do these, the next two, is the since Dark Angels can take the Space Marine detachments, what does like the Inner Circle Task Force compare with? And it, it is what we, we the said veteran. was the, the first company task force in there, which the. They're actually very comparable, but they're, they're different because first company will let you re-roll wounds. So do you, do you want to like add one to your wound roll on your VAT objective or do you want to once per game re-roll all the wounds on your oath of moment? And the other biggest one is first company has the 
orbital teleportarium where you get to reposition a, a Terminator unit to like have them deep strike someplace else. So if you've already finished off your unit, the Terminators are fighting in one spot. Instead of them being stranded with their five inches of movement, you can reposition them on the board to where they're needed. So, and it's the same models that benefit from it. Over here is a lot of Deathwing infantry. And over on the first company, it's a lot of Terminator, Blade Guard, Stern Guard, or Veterans. Which is so, which things are going to yeah. be Deathwing. Yeah. So it's, it's, so you've got your two flavors here. So it's very interesting that. Yeah, take your pick. Both of them have their their uses, and and we'll. I'm wondering if we're going to see that um, in the future supplements. But when we now get into the Raven Wing, we'll see how much that compares to the. Um, I'm going to call it the White Scars Detachment. I think it's Vanguard. Let me scroll down. Oh, Stormlands Task Force. So we'll compare yeah. those two as well. But then going on to the yeah. Raven Wing, I I think. I think the the Deathwing. I, I think I like the Inner Circle Task Force a bit better because it leans more into something that you are going to want to do in the game, and that is take objectives. And it's it's a bit more flexible. It triggers every turn rather than a once per battle. Right. I can see the benefits of both. I mean, the biggest mm-hmm. thing for me in the Inner Circle is that Deathwing Assault three inches, and like you said, you're you're going to pick a vowed target. So you're going to be going for that one anyway. Um, first company would be more if you just want to be more balanced and mo- have more movement capabilities. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Six of one, half dozen of the other. You get options. Yeah, I think if I'm... If- if I were going to lean into Dark Angels, like I think I would probably take Inner Circle over over First Company. I'm I think they I think there's just better synergy with the way the detachment rule works as opposed to like the like the first company is just like, yeah, we make veterans better. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> but this one is actually like everything is is really geared towards let's get you on the table, get you up close, and let's try to take objectives. And I think that's I think because it leans into something you you need to do to win the game, it's actually better. And the fact it it you still have your oath of moment ability, you just don't get like the the reroll right, hits the and part wounds. of it. Right. Yeah. The only thing I don't like about it is you don't get green wing in either one of these. So <laughs> no, but they're not no, meant for that. Not. No, they are meant for something very particular. All right. Now, if we want to look at the Raven wing, we would look at the detachment, the company of hunters, uh, which the thing, the ability here is a, Adeptus Astartes, unit, Adeptus Astartes units from your army are eligible to shoot in a turn in which they advanced or fell back. And that does not just apply to Ravenwing models. That's your entire army can uh, shoot after advancing or falling back. Uh, yeah, definitely focusing on shooting. Um, and as you mentioned earlier, the out, your Outrider units get battle line, which means you can have up to six units of them, which is that is good. No complaint there. And everything now, all your enhancements are Ravenwing only. 
And this leads to a problem in that uh, you have one character. Well, technically two, sort of, I think. Because th- you do still have... Because we're gonna have to talk. We have to talk about this now. They did add a second. They, I mentioned they took away the Ravenwing Talon Master. Very disappointing. But they did put back a new Ravenwing unit that can act as a character and can join other units, and that is the Ravenwing Command Squad, which can have a Ravenwing Apothecary. It's basically three models: a Ravenwing Champion, a Ravenwing Apothecary, and a Ravenwing Ancient. And that unit can join Outriders and Ravenwing Black Knights, and the Ravenwing Champion is considered a character. So they would be able to take these upgrades. It is still a very clumsy way to do it when they could have just put a bike character in. We And it is a shame that we have not had any characters on bikes other than the, the chaplain. We knew this was a problem when we were looking at the Space Marine Codex. It is still a problem. Um, which means you won't be, it'll be much harder to use all the enhancements in this. You're probably going to be looking at picking one or two. Um, one let, gives you precision. One gives you uh, the ability to charge after advancing or falling back, which is very good. Um, one that basically says you count, you don't count as being, if you're in reserve, you don't count against the number of models you can, or points you can have in reserve, and they can come in a turn earlier. And one that gives them nine inch scout moves. They're fine. I don't think any of them are as good as Inner Circle Task Force fine, but they're fine. Oh, no. I mean, the one that makes a, a unit being able to charge is probably the best of those four. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, then your options are a Hunter's Trail, which affects Ravenwing mounted units within range of objective marker you control. It stays under your control even if you leave it, which that's actually very good for a mobile army. I like Sticky. Um, Talon Strike, uh, a Ravenwing mounted unit from your army has not been selected to shoot or fight. Um, they can add one to the wound roll if they are targeting infantry or mounted characters. Very specific, going after a very, you know, like going after specifically really an in- infantry character. There's not that many mounted characters. There's a couple, but not a ton. Uh, death on the wind after one of your Raven Ravenwing units shoots. Um, one of the units that was hit has to take a battle shock test. And if any Ravenwing units are within six inches of the enemy unit, they subtract one from that test. Um, high speed focus. Uh, you select a Ravenwing unit from your army that was selected at, for being shot at. And uh, they basically jink. Your opponent loses one from the hit roll. And then rapid reappraisal. Uh, at the end of your opponent's fight phase, uh, you can take a Ravenwing unit from your army that is not in engagement range and put it into reserve. So you basically leave the board, just disappear off the board and then come back in next turn. I mean, to me, this sounds like a very good setup for a very mobile army that they want. Yeah. If they get in close, you'll fall back, shoot them. You go sticky your own objectives or any objective you want and kind of set up that. If you need to redeploy, um, 
drop into strategic reserves, come in next turn where you need to be. So, I mean, it's solid and it's got the tools to do what it wants to do. Mm -hmm. My biggest issue with it is so much of it leans into Ravenwing and there is not a lot of Ravenwing available other than units that can fly. (laughs) Yeah, there isn't a lot, but I don't know. There wasn't a lot of Votan when Votan <laughs> and Votan are okay with it. And World yeah, Eagles, but how many Ravenwing you have used six? to have a Ravenwing used uh, to yeah. have a lot more options, and I think that's that's what really really disappoints me about this is that really it is the new land speeders and the the and flyers are the only things that gain Ravenwing. Um, which makes sense. They should have the, the storm speeders. Like those absolutely should be Ravenwing. But who otherwise it's the Outrider squad and the invader ATV <laughs> and the chaplain on a bike. Um, and then you do get like you get the new like the various flyers so, like the Nephilim flyer. Um, oh, storm get, Lance. Yeah. You, uh, storm Raven, so I mean, sorry, like you do Raven, have some Raven. options, but man, it's just it's it. While this is geared towards filling out an army, it does not feel like there's enough to fill out an army anymore because of what's been stripped away. I mean, that's one we'll have to wait and see. And, and truthfully, I'll say, as a new Dark Angel player that really doesn't have much Raven Wing at all, um, I'm fine with this because it means I I don't have to worry about getting as much going forward i can just focus on right now outriders <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, but yes the storm lance would be the comparison in the space marine codex and i think uh the storm lance is better because it applies to more model more units um the like there's two enhancements that only apply to mounted models that's fine uh, because there's two that can be applied to any Adeptus Astartes model. Their strats, except for, I think, one targets mounted units only. There's a couple that target either mounted or vehicle units. Otherwise, they target just Adeptus Astartes units. Like, the Stormlance is a much more flexible um detachment the it depends on do you want close combat versus shooting the dark angels one is definitely better for shooting the storm lance is better for charging um the one other thing is that the company of hunters does let you have battle line outriders so it it leans more into doing a full bike army yeah, and the Stormlance, like you were hinting at, their main rule is you can charge if you advanced or fell back. So it's a whole detachment that lets you advance and charge, and then a lot of their stratagems help you reposition to try and make those charges with, like, windswift evasion or full throttle and stuff like that. So once again, it, it's different flavors. Uh, like you said, Stormlance seems to f- handle a better variety and probably fills out more while the company of hunters for the Raven wing is pretty much focused on the bikes with some flying support. Yeah. Or I should say the outriders with flying support. Yeah. It's like, it's not terrible, but I, 
I I just just and the same problem I had with the Stormlands Task Force. I just don't feel like there's enough, but at least with Battleline Outriders, you can actually fill out an army with bikes, I think. Because Outriders bikes go. Like the Outriders move pretty good. Well I'm oh, sorry, how many in the squad? I mean, uh they are three base. I go up to six, okay. Yeah, they can go up to six. So and based on the newest points, an outrider squad, a unit of six, a unit of three is 80 points. A unit of six is 160. So, <laughs> so under a thousand uh, points for six units of those. Yep. Well, you can also add an ATV onto each of them. Yeah, Does you can add an more? ATV onto each one, which is another 70. So that would be okay. another 420 if you added one to each. Okay, and then, and then you, you can, can add do... in three more ATVs for their own units. Right, so that's another um, 210. 210. And that gets you to 1590. The... Okay, you and then you start throwing on the characters. Yeah. Chaplain on a bike, which is 75. And the command squad we haven't got to, because it's new right. and it's not out yet. Do well, it's not, it's, or... it's not new. It's an... Well... It's an old kit. I'm, but. I'm thinking its points are going to change when it's only the three characters and with no extra bikes. Right. If we look at the in in the codex, they say 185 points. Oh gosh, so that gets you yeah. to 1850. And you'd want, and probably then, want one more than that. Oh, you can't have one more than that if you're 1850. What's Samuel? <laughs> uh, Samuel is 135. There you go. There you go. Three characters: yeah. Samuel, the command squad, and a chaplain and then, on a bike, and <clears throat> everything else is bikes. <laughs> Yeah, and you chuck in like a an upgrade to to round that out, and yeah, there you go, two thousand points. Yeah, because the your cheapest upgrade is ten points for master crafted weapon, fifteen for uh, master of maneuver. It's like yeah, you can build a two thousand, and you could adjust how many ATVs you had if you wanted right. to fit in like more leaders, land speeders, or a flyer or something. Yeah. So yeah, it, so, it's completely doable. It's just very one note. <laughs> it is. Ex- <laughs> I mean, to be fair, the bike bike lists were always very one note, but it feels even more Agreed. so now. Yeah. What's it like playing a one note army? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's it's it. You like the one note that is run in somebody's face and hit it. So there you go. Ah, uh, then like we get into data sheets, and the biggest thing, as I mentioned, is how many are gone. Because Ravenwing Talon Master gone, uh, Deathwing Strike Master gone, Deathwing Command Squad gone. Like, yep. did you like Both having those, a? I felt. Yeah, do you like having an apothecary? Too bad. Well, and the thing that hurts, especially with the Command Squad being gone, is uh, you lose your ancient, you lose your apothecary, and you lose your pretty much a, a captain. I mean, technically, you can have a cat, just a generic captain. Um, which the strike master also then gave you an extra option because you could take a captain or a strike master or or put one in one squad one in the other. So the strike master was had, basically your lieutenant. Uh, I don't want to say he's lieutenant. He might have been, but he you couldn't put him in the same squad as a uh, anyone else. He was kind of right. like the Death Wings. But yes, we can have an ancient 
in Terminator armor, we can have a captain, but there is no apothecary in Terminator armor to kind of fill that role that the command squad had. No, there is not like that. You just, you, you, you can put one in, but he's not going to benefit from any of like the Deathwing stuff. Yeah. So I wonder, and, and it's not in here. I'm just kind of thinking out loud, like at least from the Deathwing perspective, would upgrading it or like FAQing it so that like Gravis armor could count as, you know, inner circle stuff like that. And like, that could potentially be a way to eventually fix some of this because there is like the apothecary in Gravis armor. There's captain Lieutenant Gravis armor, you know, and there's, there's intercessors more intercessors are. Yeah. yeah that's when it's, it, it starts becoming a problem because of what yeah. other things you gain. Cause like, Heavy intercessors, aggressors, um, yep. oh gosh, eliminators. Yeah, okay. Or, no, yeah, eradicators. Just, okay. Eradic- Probably eradicators, because yeah. eradicators are your Phobos. Yeah. Uh, yeah, eradicators. Yeah, no, that's fair. Okay. I was just just trying to think. I was like, is that maybe a path for them to add some of these characters back? And yeah, okay. No, I, I think they're happy, because, I mean, in theory, your first chapter is supposed to be just veterans and just Mm -hmm. um, Terminators who are supposed to be veterans. So, I mean, I can see where they're coming from that. It's just, there aren't many leaders that way, Mm -hmm. but it'll work out. Like we kind of know with Ravenwing, Deathwing is kind of also one note where it's mostly melee up front, heavy, heavy armored Terminators. And then you're, you're, Big guns are going to be your land raiders and dreadnoughts. So it's actually more balanced than my mind than a raven wing is. Um, but most most of your heavy stuff is not your infantry. So let's see. And then uh, so let you know, getting into data sheets, we've got the lion Lionel Johnson, who actually got slightly nerfed. Uh, I'd say more than slightly. Okay. He no- okay, noticeably nerfed. Um, his yes. sweep attack with his sword only does one damage instead of two, which that's that's uh, a pretty big one. Yeah, that wasn't the one I was calling out yet. <laughs> his shield no longer subtracts one from the wound roll against him. Yes, that's the big one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so between losing damage and losing that, it, he he feels more killable and he doesn't seem like he's going to just wade through things as much anymore. Nah. He kind of feels like more of a support as opposed to I am the god of the battlefield. <laughs> right. And what's funny is that his, in the uh, the latest points update, his points there as a Dark Angels unit is 350 points. And in the codex, he is 365 so yeah. he's uh, do not assume the codex points are going to be final because there's no way no way he's worth more points now that he's less powerful right and technically the index dropped to 350 he was 390 so that was a 40 point drop so i'm expecting him to either stay at 350 guessing that they might have put the points what they're going to have when the codex hits or maybe drop a little more, but I have a feeling the points they put for all the units are there going to be their new codex points when the when it goes live. Yeah, that 
Now, the none of like the new units or detachments show up, so those may be accurate in the codex. We'll we'll see. Um, next, you've got the inner circle companions. That's our our one new new unit, sort of. Like, there's a couple of units that got changed up majorly, but the inner circle companions, which is a unit of three to six, um. And it is basically if they are lead being led by a character, somebody attacks them, it's minus one to be hit. If they attack a character, plus one to hit. So they are anti-character defense and anti-character, or they are character defense and anti-character attack. Yeah, my comparison is kind of the blade guard vets because they're both units that want to get up and close into melee. Um, but like you said, with these guys, without having an invone save, their only survivability is if they have someone leading them to make them harder to hit. While the right. blade guard will have the invulnerable save. But I like their rules in combat for the inner circle companions more than the um, blade guard because blade guard just get defensive ones. These guys actually get some offensive ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, and point wise, they are uh comparable although they are more expensive than blade guard they are 105 for three as opposed to um 90 for three on blade guard yeah and they take they basically take the place of stern guard vets if a unit can join stern guard vets they can join an inner circle companion which is a nice way to kind of uh bat make this backward compatible with the space Marine codex so that you don't have to attach a huge list of, okay, here's all the units that can now join an inner circle companion. Just like, okay, if they can do this, they can do this. And and they've done that with other ones. Like the Deathwing terminators will say the same, Mm -hmm. but yeah, as far as like comparing to blade guard vets, you know, blade guard vets having a four up invuln makes a huge difference. And being able to re-roll their saving throws, re-roll their invuln saving throws if they take the proper stance. Like, I, I think they're a better unit, but yeah, this is definitely the unit that you attach to a character that because you want a character to survive longer. But uh, I don't know if it's worth the points. Although the sword having lethal hits or sustained hits too is pretty decent yeah i i like the offensive capabilities of the inner circle companions more i like the defensive capabilities of the blade guard veterans more mm-hmm. also one other thing they have up on blade guard their oc2 which yeah that that can actually be pretty big um i don't think any of the other like i don't think azrael asmodai ezekiel or belial changed all that much Asmodai upgraded his pistol. He's now got a heavy bolt pistol instead of a regular bolt pistol. Um, and then his melee weapons used to be two weapons, one normal and one with extra attacks. And now it's just a pair of weapons that have a strike and sweep profile. So yeah, he, he changed in the sense that uh, he's actually weaker in a way because now you don't get all the attacks. And on average, you'll, with your like, Strike, you'll do a little more damage. Sweep, you'll do a little more. I don't know. I'm I'm not fond of the change. One one thing that I'll mention, and this is just something that I noticed, and I know you talked about the card changes a little bit earlier. I like the fact that they have condensed all of these into basically one card now. 
Yes. Like it's one side because I'm looking at like comparing to the, the old index and it's like two, you know, two slides for each one. And like, no, this is just so much easier to see everything on one side. Agreed. Yeah. So if I go into the Asmodee stuff, it used to be eight attacks, five at strength six that did two damage and three at strength four that did one damage. Um, and now it's eight attacks at strength five, one damage or five attacks at strength six for two damage. So it's, it, his old one was kind of like in the middle. Well, and his Blades of Reason were also anti-character two-up with precision, and those are, that's all gone. Yeah, so he's, he's not as good. Yeah, the one thing that got better is the model looks a lot better. <laughs> well, yeah, there is that. That's going to be a theme. <laughs> Did get a glow up. <laughs> Uh, and then uh, you were talking yeah. about Belial. Um, his big I think thing he's... is his his strikes of retribution now only activate on a four up instead of a two up, but everything else was the same. Oh, I see. Yeah, let's see. Azrael, I saw nothing see, on Azrael. Looks pretty much the same. Yeah, and Ezekiel I'm, looks pretty much the same. Samuel changed same. slightly, but not noticeably. Like a wording change, basically. Uh, he lost the ability to lead bike squads in the Ravenwing Command Squad. <laughs> well, which makes sense. The, the two squads yeah. that aren't around anymore. <laughs> well, I mean, or, I guess the Command the, Squad is, but it's a leader. Right. So, yeah, that that makes sense. Ravenwing Talon Master is gone. Lazarus is... Is he still anti-Psyker? Yep. Yeah, his much his sword same. is still anti-Psyker, too. So he hates psychers. All his stuff is hating psychers. Uh, and then we get to the Deathwing Terminator unit. I hope you didn't put storm shields on any of these because they can't have them anymore. Uh, I never um, had them on. I don't know. I I never put a I, Terminator so, in storm shields. So when I was when I was building the Deathwing army for. Uh, Midwest Conquest two years ago to to raffle off. Um, you could scatter in uh, like storm shields. You could have somebody with a storm shield basically tanking for the unit while you had like an assault. So like you could have a storm shield and an assault cannon and a couple of guys with like and a guy with a chain fist and somebody with like you know, and a couple of guys with like just bolters and power weapons or power fists. Now it is basically a Deathwing Terminator squad is a regular Terminator squad, only it has the Deathwing ability and it can take a plasma cannon. I will say the Deathwing ability is worth it over a normal Terminator. Not, you know, not going to disagree that de- like the Deathwing ability is very good. It's just that if you built your squads it, and this is the same thing that like, chaos players have had or that we've talked about with like scouts like hey did you build sniper scouts that was a mistake you didn't know it at the time because it was legal then (laughs) and with deathwing terminators it's the same thing it's like did you build your deathwing terminators where anybody had like lightning claws because that was an option i mean gosh if i go back to i wonder if i go back to the old dark vengeance box set and look at the Terminators yeah, there. Dark okay, Vengeance none of those. None, okay, that squad's still legal because it's yeah. just got an assault cannon and some chain fists. But uh, 
But yeah, it used to be like that was the thing that made Deathwing better was because Deathwing Terminator squads could basically mix an ass- like assault Terminators and and regular Terminators together, and you could just See, have I them guess in a I squad wasn't of around five. for those. I wasn't around for those days then, but the only ones who could do no, that you in weren't. my mind were the, the Space Wolf Terminators, because those squads, and I hope they don't change, can just do whatever <laughs> you darn well please. Spoilers, they will. <laughs> they, they will absolutely change. Yeah. I hope not, because that was the coolest they, thing about them. That and their wolf cloaks. Yeah. They are 100% going to change, and those, those wolf cloaks will just be part of the upgrade spur that they get. Yeah. Do you know why... <laughs> The Deathwing Terminators can no longer take lightning claws or storm shields. Because GW said so? one per box. Yeah, is it because they are not included in the new Terminator box. That's why. Well, I built all of my Terminators out of that new Terminator box, so I'm good. <laughs> okay, fine, fine. I mean, it, in fairness, I'm actually kind of okay with some of that. Because before, the Deathwing Terminators and the Deathwing Knights were in the same box... So you had the the storm shields and the stuff in the same spurt, you know, in the same thing. Now they're two separate kits. So like, it does give Deathwing Knights a different role. Whether that's good or not, it'll get to. But like, I don't know. I I, I don't like it well, because I don't like taking away options. But I do at least understand the logic because they moved those options to a different kit. And I'll say, no. as someone who who just is new to the Dark Angels, I didn't notice it, and to me, it seemed very normal to here's your shooty type Terminator, here's mm. your melee type Terminator. The only part that I'm crying, not really, over is losing the command squad because yeah. that was kind of cool to have. The command mm. squad was very cool, so it yeah. was like it. I get why. I get why. I just it's it's still frustrating. It's frustrating in the same. Like, is it Loki level way that, like, the Chaos Terminator stuff was, you know, or the Scouts? And it's, it's well, just the way the game is going. So it's, it's frustrating <laughs> when you had an, when you had a, a unit that, especially for years, like, this wasn't just like a one off blip. Yeah. Oh, that was legal <laughs> for like one edition, and then it was gone. It's like, this is how this unit has been since we yeah. made it a thing. And now we're changing the kit and change. And now your your army that you built, you have illegal war gear in it. I hope you can rearrange it in such a way that it's not illegal. And like, yeah. it's the frustration I have with Chaos Terminators. It's the frustration I have with Scouts. It is the frustration that I have with uh, Deathwing Terminators now. And it's and well, the I understand just buy more they, models. Well, that's <laughs> that's exactly what they want you to do. Yeah, and it, especially it's frustrating because like there's no new Deathwing assault or not, not any Deathwing. There's no new assault Terminator box yet. The only new Terminators yeah. they've done are the shooty ones. Fair. So yeah. if you're going to be assaulty, you're going to be slightly shorter than everyone else. Correct. And but as you were talking about the kits, I will say the knights also have a different aesthetic in how they look. And I actually like that that differentiates them even from their normal other Deathwing Terminators. And it makes the Deathwing Terminators feel like, hey, we are the Codex, air quote, compliant, even though they're taking plasma cannons, um, version. And the Knights are, here's our specialized Terminators. It it does push them uh, more, you know, differentiate the models more. And I do like that. 
similar to like how Death Shroud and um, uh, I forget the name of them, but the the different Terminators and like Death Guards like that. So like I get it, I like it. It's just this is one of the unfortunate downsides that doesn't have to be this way. It's only this way because they want to sell more models. And like I get it, they're a company, but it's frustrating. And then speaking of frustrating, let's talk about the Deathwing Knights. Beautiful new models. Oh, the models new are models amazing. Look look fantastic. Yeah. No and they which is saying something because the old Deathwing Knights looked really good. Like this Oh is, yeah. This was a unit that was already a glow up that got a further glow up. The downside is that uh, apart from the flail of the Unforgiven, which is now the great weapon of the Unforgiven, because as you said, it no longer looks like a flail. Um, the Mace of Absolution got worse because its damage went from three to two. Yeah, it used to be a Terminator killer. Yeah, the power weapons give you an extra attack, but only do one damage. And then the if you take the sword on the sergeant, that's a relic weapon that has lethal hits and does two damage. But it's also already a strength seven, so lethal hits won't come into play unless you're fighting big things, but then it's going to really help. So Right. As someone who specifically fought against the old Deathwing Knights and, like, they sucked because they were really good, yeah, I don't care. I'm like, no, it's fine. <laughs> they, like, this is fine. I don't care. I, I mean, it, it is. They, <laughs> they used to be a nigh invulnerable unit that could just yes. dish out damage. Now they're a pretty invulnerable unit that can do some damage. So they've definitely been nerfed, and I hope that their new points reflect it. So far, they yes. don't. Um, and I have a sad feeling that their their points in the new thing, since they're not a new unit, will be what it is going forward. But I'm going to cross my fingers that they'll get a drop in when the redo of points comes when the codex hits. The The one thing that sucks, and I think this is why there's been the big backlash for this unit in particular if you change a unit that's like overpowered and you change it in multiple ways it always feels especially bad because like well their their weapons got worse and they're not quite as tanky and and their points went up that feels worse than just like okay we changed one thing and let's see how this goes so i think part of it is you know that that's that's part of the reason why this feels like such a big hit. I do think they needed something because they were very, very, very good before and they needed to be toned down a little bit. I don't know if this is too much or not. So I don't know, but I get why people are frustrated. So I think it is because here's the thing. Deathwing Knights, their survivability didn't change. They still have the inner circle rule, which means they still reduce incoming damage by one. They still have a two up, four up. They still have the ability to get four plus feel no pain against mortal wounds, which doesn't work against devastating wounds. But, you know, that's as may be. Um, It they can only go up to a unit of five. They, you cannot get them in units of ten, which that's a change from the previous version. And their point value, as of the most recent Munitorum, was 235 points for a unit of five. Now, considering that their survivability did not change, but their damage output absolutely did. Their damage output dropped noticeably. 
They're now 290 points for five, if the codex is to be believed. And that is way too much of a price increase when they got weaker. <laughs> yeah. Like, that is just a complete feels bad. It's like, we, bought, we made this beautiful new kit. We do not want you to use it. I would, truthfully, my thoughts, I would love for them more closer to the 200 than the 300 range. Well, and to put this in comparison, a Terminator Assault Squad from the cat, from the uh, Space Marine Codex, which has the ability to take Thunder Hammers or Lightning Claws, which Thunder Hammers are Strength 8, AP minus 2, 2 damage, 3 attacks. So they definitely get fewer attacks with them, but it has devastating wounds. Or you have Twin Lightning Claws, which are 5 attacks, uh, Weapon Skill 3, Strength 5, AP minus 2... Uh, one damage, twin linked, so more uh, consistent, um, and can force battle shock tests every time they charge an enemy unit. And their storm shields can give if they take thunder hammers, they gain an extra wound. So they're four wounds right. each uh, with a two up, four up. Yeah, that's one hundred and ninety five points. Yep. I mean, I can understand the Deathwing Knights being a little bit more expensive because Inner Circle is a very strong ability. The extra wound is very good, and the their damage output is comparable, maybe a little bit. They're lower strength. They don't have access to uh, Twin Linked on any of their weapons, but, but they, they got do have higher weapon skills, so they'll hit more. Right. Um. So they're like. I think their point value of being, I think, like 230. Yeah, they're 235 right now for five. That's really where they should be at. I'd prefer 225, but yeah, I'll be okay with 235. 290 is way too much. (laughs) 290 is way too much. Like, which makes you wonder, like, what was the design process? Where was the balance of the game at the point that this codex supplement was being designed because obviously there's a lead time it it might have been when they designed and picked the points they were doing three and two with those weapons instead of two and one which at that Mm -hmm. point yes they're they're definitely almost a 300 point thing but nerfing the damage that the points need to go down to right yeah i that i that they flubbed this one i i really think that you're going to see some corrections to this, uh, probably on a just on a point scale. I don't think they necessarily need to change up the rules, but the points need to be adjusted. This is 290 is way too high for that. Yeah, I'm expecting it to be 235, to be honest, when, when it hits. Yeah. Since that's what they put in the index. <laughs> but since this is the index for the next couple weeks, maybe because of the nerf, they'll get lower than 235. Cross fingers. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Uh, and then uh, otherwise, it's all Ravenwing stuff. We've talked about the Ravenwing command squad basically being a second character because, my God, they need one. Ravenwing Black Knights, I think, are pretty much the same as they were before. Yeah, let me uh, skim yep. through. Yeah, the only big change was the command squad. Yeah. Dark Town had one small change. It's stasis bomb is now once per battle. Yeah, which... Or once per turn, a model can do it. So only one of your... If you had three of them, if you were running three flyers for whatever reason. 
Although now once upon once upon a time that wasn't a bad ploy, it is now. But <laughs> but yeah, otherwise, it what is the most jarring in this is what's been cut and the the number of nerfs that were carried out in this in a game in which like Dark Angels looking at uh, Meta Watch were fine. I mean, I just I don't see a big like reason to say, well, Deathwing is just too power. You know, like Dark Angels are too powerful right now. It's like no, they're really not. They're they're firmly in the middle, maybe on the slight like a forty seven percent win rate. They're fine. They didn't need to be nerfed beyond this. Well, and I don't really see this codex as being nerfed, so to speak, as since it's a supplement. This is just a side grade. Most of the units people are probably taking in their armies are Space Marine units. And with the changes to Deathwing Terminators, you'll probably take those over a regular squad of Terminators because they're Terminators plus. You probably won't see the Knights unless people just really like Knights because of the models. So I don't see Darkwing player or Dark Angels players changing how they play or what they bring because of this. So it's, it's not. Here's the new meta, Dark Angels, drop down the book, because it's, it's not a new meta. It's, here's some side grades, if you feel like using them, do, if you don't, don't. So it's, it's a disappointment in the fact that it's not gonna shake things up at all, but it's nice if you like Dark Angels, because you get more of what you kinda like. Mm-hmm. I, there's other points changes that kinda boggle me. Like, they dropped the cost in the Munitorum document of the Ravenwing Command Squad to 110 points if you took three models, 220 if you took six, which was basically throwing in extra Black Talons to, you know, pat them out for wounds. Uh, in this codex, they are a 185 for three models. There are some points decisions they made in this codex that just confuse me. And I think that's, that's like... Is it because of the synergy they're supposed to have with the detachments that are in here? Or was like, what was the mentality when these points were, were set? And obviously these are not going to be final because they're so out of whack with everything else. Like the Deathwing Knights, we're sure they're going to come down. Ravenwing Command Squad is probably going to come down a bit. Lionel Johnson, probably going to come down. Just because 365 is too high for what, when he's more powerful and they said 350 was fine. Yeah, it's just like there's, there are some decisions that were made here that don't make a lot of sense. But you have to think of it as like, well, what was the design philosophy at the time this is being written compared to the environment we're in right now, which is obviously different. It's like, I think, I can't even say like, Dark Angels, like, long-term Dark Angels players, I don't know if they'll be happy or not. The um, chase at uh, Goonhammer, when they were doing their their review, there was kind of a vibe of, what have they done to my boy? When I was reading <laughs> the review. They were just, well, they, they were just boggling, like, the entire crew, but especially Chase, were just kind of boggling, like, why, why did you make these particular changes? Yeah. 
Well, like, I agree with you that I think, like, the long-term ramifications of this, we don't know the short-term ramifications or the short-term, like, reaction is very bad. <laughs> yeah. I I'm I mean, like I said, this feels more like a side grade to the chaos, or to the um Space Marine Codex than it, it is of, hey, let's do anything earth shattering to make this what you want to do for Dark Angels, which it I kind of like, but I kinda of don't like. I I like the fact that cause how many times have we said we get tired of seeing only having one build for something and that's it? Mm-hmm. Um the fact that there isn't an overwhelming, oh, wow, they made this really strong. This is going to be the way to play. They didn't do that. Like, they only made a couple things questionably or a bit worse, I'll say. Um, and then they just gave you a different, like we, I said with the two, two new detachments is it's kind of a side grade on how you want to play first company versus Deathwing or Stormlance instead of uh, Ravenwing. So. It really feels like this is just, oh, here's more options for you rather than, hey, here's the new meta-defining thing out there. But I will say there's one part of the book rule-wise I really like, though. What's that? It's called the campaign rules. Because they actually do crusade rules, yes. For the campaign, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, they add in new Osworn campaigns that lead up to a Capture a Fallen campaign. Just like in Space Marines where they have the things you can select to upgrade people into. They they actually let you have your named characters start with those advancements if you're going to take that named character into Crusade. Because, like, well, Belial is Chapter Master of the Deathwing. So he already... Or Master of Deathwing. So he, he gets that bonus already. Samuel gets Master of the Ravenwing. So he gets that bonus already. So it's kind of nice that they're taking into account that... If you do take the named character, well, yeah, give them the bonus that we're going to give your normal character if he goes up through the ranks. And there, there's a special requisition I really like called Veteran Initiates. For one um, requisition point, purchase this when you add a Deathwing Infantry or Ravenwing Mounted Unit to your Order of Battle. That unit gains 6 XP and is therefore bloodied, and select one battle honor for them like you would normally. So it takes into account, oh, these are veterans, let's already start them at bloodied. Which I thought was really cool. That is pretty okay, cool. That's, that is cool. So, I mean, for the Crusade narrative type rules, um, I like what they did there. Um, for the rest of the book, like I said, it's a side to a downgrade, but the models are still awesome, so I'm I'm happy. <laughs> so, so, yes, I just wanted to hit you with, like, that when they were going through the updated data sheets for the Goonhammer Codex review, after the description of the changes to the to the lion, Chase goes, "Guys, wh- why? What?" Then the changes to Deathwing Terminators. What is happening? The changes to the Deathwing Knights. Stop! Please stop. The change to the Land Speeder Vengeance, which had its dead. damage reduced, <laughs> just sobbing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, all of the things you mentioned are definitely the worst cases on there. But since he didn't, you didn't, he didn't mention Azrael in there. I mean, not Azrael, Asbadai. I think the Asbadai one was just pretty bad too. Um, they do mention As- Asbadai. Yeah. I just don't think anyone was running Asbadai up until now. Right. So nobody really felt it. That's, <laughs> right. <laughs> that, that was, and, and truthfully, that's my thought about the lion. Is the lion felt like a god, and I only took him into one 
game because he just stomped everything. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not taking you out and like again unless I have to go fight some Satan shards or something. And our group here has kind of agreed, yeah, let's not bring the big bruisers. Let's just bring troops and littler guys so we can actually have <laughs> it's not just hero quest in the way. Um so I, th- that's why I don't think I was bothered as much by the lion changes, but definitely losing the command squad and the Deathwing Knights ones, I I feel, but I'm still going to run the knights because I like the models and that's how I p- play the game. <laughs> and somebody did put together a uh, a company of hunters list that used three Ravenwing command squads, right? One with master of maneuver, one with mounted strategist, one with recon hunter. Three units of six black knights each. Three or six units of three outriders each. And then two units of scouts with shotgun, missile launcher, and sniper rifle. Not all sniper rifles? (laughs) You can't. (laughs) Yes, no, not all sniper rifles. We discussed this. This episode, in fact, we discussed this. (laughs) Nah, I don't remember that. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. Um,. The uh, the the lukewarm reception of this book by uh, Dark Angels players, I think, is warranted. I, yes, I'll agree. From a I, and I'm going to say it's warranted from a competitive standpoint. I think from a casual or narrative standpoint, this is fine. And I think once they get some of the points readjusted, because again, the codex points mean nothing other than this is the baseline and is obviously way off. I I think that once they get that adjusted, this will be fine. It'll be a fine army to play. It's, but I think you're right, Dennis. They're wanting people to be leaning more into the, or they're expecting people to be leaning more into the core space Marine stuff rather than the necessarily the dark angel specific stuff. And like, as our first view into a, um, supplemental codex for space marines this does not give me a lot of hope for my blood angels uh i would have more hope for the blood angels um just because they're starting off at such a bad spot yes and i think you'll your detachments (laughs) will probably play into your stuff better because i mean as we saw here there are two extra detachments for deathwing and ravenwing which is side grades to two existing detachments space marines already have um so they're going to have to give you something different that is more probably melee focused and more so than your current one. Um, so I'm, and who knows, maybe they'll bring, have a, like a librarian blood angel one. I don't know. I don't know what two bonus because dark angels is very easy to what, what, what are your extra detachments? Well, we got Deathwing, We got Ravenwing. Okay. We're done. Blood angels. What, what, what other two detachments that they can add in for them? I mean, they'll do something death company focused. Stuff. Yeah, they'll do like a oh, sanguinary yeah, yeah. guard and they'll yeah. do a death company. And then. OK, well, whatever they have right now. No, yeah. not really. OK. <laughs> so, yeah, since they have those. two, Yeah, that's Yeah. I don't have as much help for you either than on the blood angels. Sorry. I mean, the most <laughs> they might do would be to uh, lean into the whole like. Uh, Lucifer pattern engines that are supposed to be like on all the uh, Blood Angels vehicles and have give you like a really fast like vehicle detachment, but that might be it. 
Like that's the only other thing I could see for blood angels, but it's very, it's way too early to tell the, the red thirst uh, rules for the detachment that we got with the upgrades still not good. So uh, blood angels might be the next to get the Drukari treatment and get a preview of our, <laughs> get like one of our <laughs> secondary detachments free. Cause like there's, you know, you, uh, there's no reason in blood angels to not run gladius right now. Like that's that's the 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 sad part is that it's just there's I mean, no point. If you in take Stormlance, you can assault or advance and charge. That is true, and that would actually yeah, that might actually work better. Just half half the strats we wouldn't get to use quite as well, but not as opposed to the you know something where like that would be the other thing. Something that's completely jump based would be like a well, Wings of Angels detachment. Oh yeah, cool. that would be amazing. Especially now that we've got intercessors with jump packs, like you can actually have jump battle line. So it it would and be also doable. They just had this j- jump pack um, box set that <clears throat> came out recently. Yep, with that the also uh, jump captain in the jump. In it. <laughs> yep, you're getting pikes one way or another. So, <laughs> so yeah, I think that pretty much wraps up our coverage of the Dark Angels. Uh, book such as it is uh, we will see what happens with it uh, when it's because it's like not uh, since it's only available in the death assault box it's not considered technically out and legal from what i understand like for events so yeah which is it'll another be a bit sad thing about s- having their preview copies yeah, so it'll be a while before we see the full ramifications of this book hitting the environment and how the points end up shaking out for it. But uh, um, if you are a, uh, a Dark Angels player, um, I'm sorry. I mean, I, not that I made the book, but I, I feel bad for you as a as a Blood Angels player. I I, I feel bad for us both. Um, so send send all complaints to Rob at Preferred Enemy. No. <laughs> I will pass them along. <laughs> no, don't actually. I, I don't think I could take that kind of psychic hit. Um, <laughs> if you don't want to take us with a psychic hit, though, one thing you can do is uh, join us on our Discord. Uh, we've got the Preferred Frenemies Discord, Ooh. which you can join by becoming a member of our Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash preferred enemies and join at the $1 level, which, which by the way, is the only level we have is the $1 level, you too can join our discord and uh join the community we are growing there and uh it's been a cool place to hang out so far and uh we are we'd be glad to have you there and uh if you join our patreon you're basically helping support our recording service and our hosting and helping us replace microphones when we need to um we don't lock any of our shows behind a paywall. So if you don't, or if you can't, you can, we are still glad to have you as a listener, but if you want to join us online and chat with us directly, uh, you can do so by going to patreoncom slash preferred enemies and joining there. Um, that will pretty much wrap this up. Um, I do not know what is coming next. I mean, obviously we've had, uh, the crude box previewed, but I think that is still several months off. Or at least a couple months off, because we still have uh, custodes and orcs to get to. Or we can go back to talking so, about the Crusade uh, book. Yeah. So I guess we next do need episode, to talk about, yeah, yeah, we will talk next episode. We will dig into Pariah Nexus and Crusade and uh, 
Also, I'll probably be digging into the to figuring out how to build and paint Tyranids because that is what we are going to be giving away as one of our raffle armies for the uh, for Midwest Conquest. I have uh, taken on the task of building and painting a yeah Tyranids, all sorts of little griblies with hormigants and termigants and gene stealer gaunts. I'm just going to put gaunt on the end of everything now. Venom gaunts, <laughs> Tyranid warrior gaunts. Screamer Killer Gaunt. It's all the same, right? So, N- Neuro Tyrant Gaunt. Neuro Tyrant Gaunt. Barbagaunt Gaunt. And I don't care. Oh, Gaunt Gaunt. <laughs> do, 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 do. But, but yes, next next episode, we will be talking for sure about Pariah Nexus. But until then, from all of us here at Preferred Enemies, I'm your host, Rob. Kevin. Dennis. And Richard. Good night, good gaming, and uh, go do the best you can, Dark Angels players. We believe in you. We will! Preferred Enemies is an Undergopher Radio production and is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 Unported License. Our theme music is Metal Slug 2 Super Vehicle 001-2, No Need to Reload, originally by Takushi Hayamuda and remixed by Roataka, courtesy of OC Remix. It can be found at ocremix.com.